podcasts aren't, but when there's breaking news right before the podcast starts, it's almost like it's live edition. Yes, Bruce, asshole Arians, as I call him. Whoa. I don't like that guy. And he, I like him less right now. Announces his retirement. Why? For the African-American coaches. Yeah. That's why. To my left, unrelated to any African-American coaches, Steve Fezzik. From the South, Houston. No, nope, from Texas. Texas. You're from Houston, right? Yeah. Okay. But don't say from the South. People from Texas don't like to be called the South. AJ that Hoffman. Right? That's true. And Mackenzie, because we're talking race, we might as well say African American and related to an NFL head coach. Yes. And I am a blue eyed Sicilian. Well, quarter <laughs> Sicilian, half Italian, quarter German, but Northern in a way. But a Janan was the village we came from. Okay. Where'd you come from? Ta- Houston. From Houston, yeah. <laughs> All right. This Bruce Arians thing, let's get straight into it. But quickly, let's talk about the other things we're going to talk about. We're going to have a preview of the Final Four. Yes. We're going to have Fez uh, theories on West Coast teams in the Final or so far in the tournament, what we can learn for next time. Right, because there's no West Coast teams left, are there? None. No. That's kind of the point, isn't it? Yes. And it's not just Pac-12 either. And then we're going to be talking about why the mechanical parlays didn't work for three out of the four teams this year. Right? Is that right? Three out of the four. Yes. So far, we've got some theories on it. We got into the data, and we're going to tell you if you take a long shot in the tournament to let's say win the region, when do you go? Mecha- Maybe when don't you go mechanical parlay? Mm-hmm. And what else we got? NFL overtime. NFL overtime. Oh, Fez, great analogy. Listen, he's he's an all-star today. So at least all-star so far. We'll see. But I'm optimistic. And best bets on uh, NFL win totals. You're doing a win total? I'm doing a win total. Fez has so a win total. So you're doing the same as Fez's? I, I picked a different one. I knew you would get on me if I had the same one. But by coinc- but the by same, co- but then you changed. But by yes. coincidence, it was the same. It, it, by coincidence, it was the same. And when I heard Fezix, I said, oh, that was going to be mine. No way I'm doing that. I'll find another one. And you didn't even have to hear the team name to say I was going to be mine. No, I saw his. I but saw I'm his. Te- you didn't need to. Because his is always mine. Yes. Showtime. Woo. We can talk about Bruce Arians. Let's hear from the man himself. Now, just to let you know, this is going to be the sound you're going to hear when it's going to be the bed of music when is bruce arians talking now do me a favor aj you, you're playing bruce arians i'm playing the role play talk like you have like you're way over like you're overweight and, right. and, and you have a, I'm an alleged drinking problem i can do that <laughs> that sounds actually like me i'm overweight with an alleged <laughs> drinking problem <laughs> but, but even more okay so okay yeah i mean more drinking or more heavy no actually don't do anything like okay. that <laughs> now i think about it that's gonna now should this maybe be his music well that's new wait let's see Now that would work. Okay. That works. If he's particularly bad. Now, it could be this. I mean, that sounds like the empire is coming to take your home. All right. But 
This is what we're going to go with. Oh, no. <laughs> That's kind of different, but it's going to be this. Yeah, that will work. That's Baker's music when I was Baker. Exactly. This is my role-playing music. <laughs> On the weekends, too. <laughs> <laughs> so really let's we'll, we'll have time to comment let's start how long is the statement it's probably three four minutes worth of uh two probably two or three minutes worth of okay so we won't we won't stop too much bruce arians upon his well let him explain Secession has always been huge for me. With the organization, right, stop. <laughs> is that a bad Bruzarians? No. Okay, you stopped me immediately. No, so but I thought. Wait, wait, in what way has he ever had succession? Like, I mean, you've mentioned he's never been hired or, or like promoted within the same organization, except once by the Steelers, who then fired him. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how did things end at Arizona? I remember that ending horribly. Because the next year, they they literally had the number one pick. right? Oh, no, they had the 10 pick. And then they, they had a coach that lasted one year. Yeah, Wilkes. Was that it? Yeah, Steve Wilkes. Is he even in the league now? I, I believe he, so. I believe somewhere. Quality control? <laughs> so, one, let's see. Can you, Mackenzie, look contemporaneously at, at the reporting? How did Bruce Arians leave Arizona? All right, I'm on it. He's the secondary coach for the Panthers now. Now that's not good. <laughs> Holy cow. As I say in like on Hogan's Hero, he went to the Western Front. <laughs> you remember that, Fat? Yes. Uh -huh. I know nothing. <laughs> with the organization in probably the best shape it's been in in its history, with, with Tom Brady coming back, I'd rather see Todd. Right, and stop. Who doubts for a minute? That this is a power play from Tom Brady. I mean, let's be candid. We'll have the sound next week just to prove it. But on straight out of Vegas, I said, I think there was a fit. Remember, I said a 50% chance he's not coaching the team this year. Yeah. Fez, that's pretty strong. Yes. I mean, I wasn't hearing that anyway. No, we, we, we talked a lot about why, why would Tom Brady come back now? Why would, the, why would the timing be like this? And I said, do you think there's a nudge-nudge? And RJ said, I don't think it's a nudge-nudge. I, I don't think he's coming back. So, Do you know how some people get premonitions? I'm one of them. So let's be clear. He's not back cause of you. Tom Brady is back cause the deal was after a decent amount of time where it doesn't look as suspicious. You're done chubby i'd rather see todd in position to be successful and he's talking about todd bowles oh uh to be successful and not have to take some crappy job hmm. well wait in a moment he's going to talk about in some bad scenario where there wouldn't be any power for bowles to get the job but that would propose that would assume then the Tom Brady retires again. And how good of a job is Tampa at that point? Because we saw what their odds went to 50 to one at the Westgate when Brady retired. So I'm confused, but let's continue. I'm probably retiring next year anyway in February. So I control the narrative right now. I don't control it next February because if Brady gets hurt, we go 10 and seven. And it's an open interview for the job. 
I got 31 coaches and families that depend on me. First off, when what, what point of the season does Brady get hurt that they go 10 and 7? That's what I'm wondering. I was I mean, very optimistic. 17 maybe. <laughs> yeah. My wife is big on not letting all those families down. It hit me after the Super Bowl. I thought really hard about going out on top. Then it was like, nah, let's go for two. The 2021 season was a grind with all the injuries, but still winning and getting to where we got. Immediately after, two to three weeks afterwards, I thought, if I quit, my coaches get fired. I couldn't do it then. Wait a minute. He's able after a horrible year in which him and Antonio Brown have a conflict that still hasn't been resolved. Right. Has it? No. Has it? No. no. I didn't think so. Legally hasn't been resolved. Because it won't be in his favor. And I predicted that. And I said that he's going to get – that Brady was – this whole shift in Brady happened right after the A-B thing. That's all – there's just no doubt about it. He was talking about next season like a week before that. And now this this solidifies my general point. This was about the A-B. He was sick of him anyway. But here's what's interesting. If he's able to control who gets the job now, wouldn't he have been able to after he won the Super Bowl? So he said, if I quit then, my coaches get fired. Right? That's what he said. But what is he in a more powerful position now than he was a year ago? Now that the interview process is all done and there's no head he coaching could've, he vacancies, could've, he could have done the same thing and quit at the exact same time last year, a year ago. Yeah. So, what but he said, more, "Nah, let's go for two. Because he said, well, because he said the coaches, my coaches would be fired. But now I'm quitting. I guarantee my coaches a, a living. Is there any guarantee that last year Tom Brady wasn't going to get hurt and they were going to go ten and seven? But he didn't have any power anyway before that. No. Oh, you mean after the Super? Oh, okay. after the Super Bowl, yeah. Tom Brady could have got hurt last year, and they could have gone ten and or seven. May- and- or maybe Bruce Arians would do something atrocious, possibly to Antonio Brown. That could have happened, or did happen. Let's continue. <laughs> Tom was kind of the key. When Tom decided to come back, and all of these guys back now, it's the perfect timing for me to just go into the front office and still have the relationships that I love. I know my guys are going to be taken care of. I couldn't leave them hanging. You're kidding me. Nope. Is there more? Uh, There's more because they asked him about, um, is there a connection between Brady's return and Arians leaving? And what did he say? No, no. Tom was very in favor of what I'm doing. I mean, I had conflicts with every player I coached because I cussed them all out, including him. Great relationship off the field, though. Mm. Yeah, I mean, after being coached by the genius of football for 20 years and never being critiqued publicly, having Bruce Arians critique him publicly was a great joy. Well, he went back to uh, the best advice because, you know, Bruce Arians, if every interview he's ever had, he mentions that he coached under the great Bear Bryant. Coach them hard, hug them later. That was Coach Brian's best advice. Coach them hard, hug them later. And he said, part of me was excited to coach Blaine Gabbert as the quarterback and prove to everybody, kiss my ass. 
That's what he's saying now? Yes. Part of him wants. So he's saying, he's saying Brady disappointed him in a way. Coming By coming back, back yeah. Because he was going to shove it up everyone's. Well, you know, I think, let me see, every other year he coached without Tom Brady, we can get a feel of how that went. Didn't win a Super Bowl any of those years. Didn't make a Super Bowl. Had a couple, with Carson Palmer, had a couple good regular seasons. But you know, the year Carson Palmer got hurt, let me see. Mackenzie, did we find out how he left Arizona? Well, he succession couldn't have been that big of a deal for him because he retired January 1st. Steve Wilkes hired 21 days later, January 22nd. So... Was Wilkes, was Wilkes even on the staff? One second. I don't think so. I thought when he left, it was health reasons. Well, yeah. And but but succession matters. If, no, he was not part of the staff. Not succession. At so all. he had no role in succession. Zero. Hmm. And there must have been some contractual thing about January one that he got some payment. Oh, I'm sure. I'm guessing a lot of the coaches got turned over. Well, January one. I mean, when you make the playoffs, how are you? Re- I'm confused. Well, how'd they do that last season? He didn't make the playoffs his last season. What was the record? One second. I know they had it was bad enough. Pick. They had a top ten pick. Yeah. What do you think of this, Faz? I think that uh, I'm gonna have another butter. I think they have the nutter butter. It's gonna be a minute. Uh, the great R.J. Bell has has now. You know what? And Arians won that. Excuse me. Correction. When Brady won that Super Bowl, and Arians was the head coach. <laughs> You know, there was uh, a lot of love from the national media with Bruce Arians. And, hey, here's a guy, and I'll be the first to admit, I kind of bought into this. Here's a guy who's not politically correct, who kind of shoots from the hip, calls it correctly, and um, and he did a fine job. The more that we go forward, it's almost like, you know what, the blind squirrel, you give him Brady for your quarterback, and he he, he gets his nut, his, his, his Super Bowl. I think he was just the right place. Right time, got Tom Brady, and they almost won despite him. Well, think about it. It took into they were seven and five until the the bye, right? And then after they had a bunch of the Patriot offense in there mm-hmm. after the bye. I mean, it kind of begs the question: How important? It, like, is coaching as important as we've always thought it was? I think it's more important than ever. You think so? I think that the the quality of coaching is elite at this point. I think there's not hardly any bad GMs anymore, or in the NBA or in a, I think in general, everything's been professionalized. But if Tom Brady can win with a guy you say is, or is an asshole or a blind squirrel, as Fez says, like, I mean, if you've got good enough players, does coaching really matter? I think so. Because let's think, Brady's the OC. Effect. I don't know how good Lafwich is. It seems like Brady likes him. So let's assume mm-hmm. he's contributing something. Yeah, in this article, it basically says Lefwich and Brady will handle the offense. Yeah, just like the last two years. <laughs> right. And... And defense, Bowles was a, you know, I think he got a bum deal with the Jets. He obviously had a great game plan in the Super Bowl. So what was Arians doing? Now, Belichick, for example, well, let me see. He is the greatest defensive mind in the history of football, and he's always played a role on the defense. And by the way, he's going to be the OC this year. That I mean, that's what Middlecoff's saying. So he's never been an OC in his life. Going to take that over. Hmm. Now that seems valuable to me. Oh, he's a GM too. It's funny. I I was reading that, uh, like basically he's putting Matt Patricia, a defensive guy, and Joe Judge 
in charge of the offense. Which is code for he's going to be. Yeah, I was like, that's crazy. And then reading into it, yeah, basically he's just – he's doing it all. And, no, I think he'll do less D this year. Okay, but so Belichick is an exception who is, we all agree, the best coach in the world. I mean, if if or is any other coach winning without a top tier quarterback or so Fez is going to really love the in game stuff. I think back in the day, I was right that it was overemphasized because people. Hmm, let me see how to say this. It was so easy if you were a hyper bright, hyper logical person like Fez is. Remember now when. Uh, the dude from Jeopardy, Jeopardy James. Holtzhauser. Yeah. When when he somehow had the different strategy, Fez spent about 40 minutes explaining how he had that strategy back in 1989 or something. So True. In, in, general, <laughs> in general, with game theory stuff, a guy like Fez is going to be better than these coaches. And thus you can identify their mistakes. Right. Just like in Jeopardy, there's game theory issues. You know, if you're if the. Uh, you know, based on the final Jeopardy specific. If you're in second place, don't wager your whole stack. Yeah, I mean, there's all different things. But to me, I at the time thought that stuff was overrated because there were so few decisions that people were making. Even the edgy coaches would go for it once extra every two weeks or something on fourth down. Now you look at the Chargers as the most extreme case. And it's funny, there's been a big backlash now against the Chargers. And I mean some serious people are bad mouthing that decision making. Staley is I personally think in 10 five, seven years what Staley's doing is gonna be the norm. I think a big problem with Staley is the psychological part of it. Like it feels so out of it's almost like walking around, you know, let's say if you're a guy that let's say, I don't know, that was Femi and Today, if you're walking around with, like, oh, here's a good example. A band that I managed in a way, but it was old friends, my high school friends, they had a time, you know, this was the late 80s, Motley Crue and stuff would wear mascara. They had a stage, they started putting mascara on. I was like, what the hell, you guys, you know, I mean, I I just didn't see mascara as my, you know. So I never did, because I was a man, it'd be funny if the manager had. But it was like, (laughs) that was so unusual, they would, like, go to the bar, you know, before the show and, and put it on, but they wouldn't walk on the street with it, right? And that was, like, maybe six months. But today, and I don't know exactly how it is, it seems like it's a little more acceptable, right? So, in general, I think if you did it back, if you were dressed in drag, let's say extreme, back 20 years ago, everyone's looking, it feels weird, or it feels like other people are shocked by it, and now you've got to decide if you care that much to do it. And a lot of people who are doing it today wouldn't have probably done it back then, right? Even though they felt it in their hearts. To me, it's the same thing with going. Like Belichick was the most advanced guy going for it, but he didn't go for it. He only you can only really go one step further. He dipped his toe in the water. Yeah, he went one step further than the norm. And the and he got just shish kebab when he went did the fourth and two from his own 28 against yeah. Indianapolis, the famous. The feedback, well, that was the first time anyone had done anything like right, this. Right, because it was so extreme. And now Staley, the the, toe, the puddle that, you know, Bill Belichick dipped his toe in, Staley's now stomping around in the puddle. But RJ brings up a great point, because even if it mathematically is correct for you to go for it fourth and one from your 29, when you don't make it, 
what's the reaction to the defense? Almost a revolt. Like, look at what this coach just did to us. Now we got to hold these guys. They're already in the red zone. But I think he's right. RJ's right because the the first guy to do it is always going to be the one who gets the grief and then – Ten years later, it's normalized at, at each level. Right. So I think Staley's one big step out from the the edgy other people. Belichick was that mm-hmm. before, and, and and I think generally it's moving in that direction. And I think the league, as it embraces it, the the sense of disappointment, revolt, the sense of we're doing something wrong. That's all. I mean, think about it. Think about what how much the games just change. I mean, the whole deferring the kickoff. I mean, there was. I, there, it's a great point that ma- the majority of teams. Hey, you win the coin toss. I, t- I want the ball. A long time that was the case. Yes. So in general, this league has really changed strategically. I think more in the last fifteen years than it did in the prior thirty. I, I would agree. say. I agree. Um, so doubling back, I think there's more in-game decisions than ever. I think it's harder these days to manage the players, meaning in a player empowerment era, you look at Tomlin, whatever you want to say about his in-game, with Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Big Ben, uh, Mike Wallace back in the day, that was not that was not an easy team, not to mention the defensive guys were so you know strong-willed. James Harrison, the fact you didn't hear a lot of grief from, from them, Man, oh man, that makes time. So to me, I think it's different skills maybe than it used to be. But I mean, look at look at I mean, look at the Rams. I don't want to put McVeigh in the class of Belichick, but at what point are we going to admit like McVeigh? The Rams don't win the Super Bowl with an average coach. Well, the Rams don't get to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff with an average coach for sure. No one does. Yeah, and yeah. And, and you could say the same thing about Cousin Kyle. Right is I mean he getting the, Jimmy G to the Super Bowl, so I think it's it's maybe not Belichick, but in general. And then you look at some of these bad coaches. I mean, look at the uh, Joe Judge. Joe Judge. Uh, though I think for him it was a PR thing more. Well, that's why he was a bad coach. That he just lost the locker room. Yeah, I think. but yeah, probably. Um, uh, what was his name? Anthony Lynn. I mean, you know, in general. Well, I think Anthony Lynn was kind of mm. more in. Did you see the Patriots Chargers game that year? Yeah, good point. I mean, you can't. You you. What would Belichick have done with that special teams? He would have been coaching them. And that's the thing. And Mike Lombardi talks about this: is Belichick's probably the last of a breed that can coach every position probably as well, if not better, than his coach there. As as an example, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Belichick. Won the coin toss and took the ball in that game against the Chargers because I, if I'm remembering right, he knew he had a schematic advantage and he wanted an extra possession in the first half to score another seven points before they tried to fix it at halftime. Oh, that's interesting. I don't remember that for sure, but I could but, be wrong. I'm pretty sure though. But uh, and again, I don't know. listen. I'm not in a position to judge anyone's X's and O's because they all know a lot more than me. But it just does seem like there's certain teams, uh, certain guys feel overmatched. And Bruce Arians felt like he, listen, the guy had a chance to critique Brady for a reason. He wasn't doing anything else. What else we got? Anything else on this? And not really. He did say, I don't have to worry about how many cocktails I have on Saturday night. To your point about a guy who maybe drinks too much, we may be <laughs> having more of that. Who did he give this interview to? Uh, it looks like Peter King. We're expecting zero movement in the betting markets yeah. on this. Not, not not a cent move on the season win. But succession, our expectation. I agree. Succession. Very important to him. Very important. <laughs> 
you know something? I'm going to kill him tomorrow. On, I mean, this is just a warm-up. Because I, all right, let's do this. We don't expect any line movement. This does solidify my thought that things seem really funny with Brady. And, you know, when if it smells, you know, if it quacks like a duck kind of thing. If anything, couldn't this be like a, a positive thing for the Buccaneers, who every all the players seem to like Byron Leftwich, all the players seem to like Todd Bowles. Clearly Brady, this is his preference uh, as far as who the coach is. Couldn't there be a, a positive uptick in this? If, if we're right that there was so much – contention between Brady and Arians, then yes. If not, if I'm wrong about that, then this is just a disruption without any point. This can't just be coincidence I over and over Buccaneers again. right now, the second highest season win number at 11.5. The Bills are also 11.5, but they're shaded a little bit to the over. When was the last time we saw a coach step down when he had the team that was top two? Well, when's the, the last time that secession That's was good. this important to a coach? I mean... <laughs> I, are you sure he's not talking about catching up on the repeats of Maybe the that's HBO what it show? It's really yeah, important. <laughs> television's really important to me. I'll have more time to watch. There's three seasons. I'm behind now. i got to get caught up. And plus, i got a major loss. I wonder if a big negotiation here was, I tell you this, I'm going to make a long shot prediction. Is part of this part of this deal to, to shut him down and put him upstairs, and this deal was made, my guess is, it was made when, before Brady came back. I agree. And Brady said, listen, we'll give him a month. He's out of here. And we'll put him in some office up there so I don't have to – he can't talk to the press. It sounds like his farewell to the press. He's telling all his fav- favorite stories. Here's going to be my prediction is part – it's a long shot. He probably asked for extra indemnification on the the AB thing. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, he, I think that's strong. Because I mean, I don't know if that would ever come out until I guess to the trial. If there, and if it goes to trial, it, it, you know, just to quit. Listen, no way do I excuse AB for a lot of his shenanigans. I think he's one of the. I mean, to be candid, I think he's been the best receiver of this generation. Let me ask you something. Hmm. I'm sorry. Did I cut you? No, off? go ahead. Um, you know, obviously Brady dropped the bomb right when the big tournament that he was coming back, right when the tournament was starting. And well, Red- remember, that was all about free agency starting on that Monday. That's a good point. That, but I'm thinking to myself now. In in some ways, did he want to like kind of like deflect that there was this issue with Arians and that kind of like let's drop it when there's so much news coming that wasn't as big a story. I mean, obviously, it was a when he came story. back, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Why would he choose that day? Well, because I think I think he here's the thing. Bill Simmons said that it was like a week before he was over, I think, in England with one of those soccer teams that the owner of the Bucks owns. Mm. And he says he should have saw that that was about talking to the owners over there. Mm. So I think can you check when that game was relative to when he came back, McKenzie? Yeah, I remember he was talking to Cristiano Ronaldo of Manchester United the night before the big announcement. I'm coming back. Okay, so this was literally like a day or two before the announcement. Yes. Okay, so to me, it was final negotiation, right? It had to happen before that Monday because, remember, that center was leaving. There were different people leaving. They were already out the door because Arians was there and Brady wasn't. It was a mass exodus. Exactly. Thank you. And, And to me... The fact that this was – if we assume the discussion with the owner was the last negotiation, that means he didn't make this decision until like the day before mm. he decided to announce – or he announced it, which tells me there were things being negotiated that were for real. And maybe he planned to come back all along. 
And this was a power play to show. He probably went, who's, I'm guessing now, he went to the owners before, after the season, said, I can't deal with this guy anymore. That's mm-hmm. what I think happened. And they said, no, we're keeping him. And he says, all right, all right I'm retired. Yep. I'm and out. maybe it's like a game of chicken. They didn't think he'd really yeah, do it. Yeah, 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 makes sense. That's what it seems like. And then they said, all right, Tom, <laughs> we, we take you seriously now. When do you want him to go? I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I just don't. The, back to the AB thing, and I'll, I'll be wrapped on this. It, anything else you guys want to say for sure, go with it. Is something about Arians makes me feel like he's like, and Bear Bryant had this reputation. What was that Um, when he was at Texas A&M? Some of the stuff he I mean, there, there was that whole uh, movie made about yeah, it, right? Yeah, running his guys ragged. I mean, like, you know, concussions. and Not then, like having water. Yeah, Oklahoma drills after the concussion just to make sure you're all right. You know, and again, it was a different era, but sure. there is a great line of succession when they were talking about uh, Uncle Mo and then the girlfriend of the oldest uh, son says, uh, he goes, but it was a different time. It was a different time. She goes, before there were laws? <laughs> Which I thought was a great love sorry. Which I thought was a great I spit. I was like, did I get you? <laughs> I am sorry. Here. From like three feet away. Yeah, it, it had some momentum. <laughs> uh, it went down. I was, yeah, in fact, <laughs> sorry okay. about that. All right. So, but that was funny, right? Is before there were laws, it's like Bruce Arians has a way about him. Like, you just know if he had a kid. And 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 he had the kid in a position of weakness. He would have been like a gym teacher. He he has that way about him. Like he feels a need to pick on Brady. Like think about that. You think yeah. a weak person. He's he's gonna be. You know, all the players hate me. It's like yeah, I think you're right. Well, because he cusses them out. Yeah, but they're gonna hug. We're gonna hug. Him Coach later. him hard. Hug him later. Yeah, that's why. And again, I brought this up uh, two years ago. If you look at a typical coach's um, resume, it's usually going to be you go to a place, you get one promotion in there, and then it's hard for them to see you even a second promotion, so you got to leave for the next promotion. You get promoted there. It's usually uh, start plus one, go somewhere else plus one, plus one there, go somewhere else. I mean, that's generally how it goes. Because if you bring someone in as a position coach, you can see them as – a coordinator. It's hard to see them as the head coach when they were the position coach, right? Mm-hmm. If they come in as a uh, back in the day, there were T or um, uh, GAs back in the day, graduate assistants, and you like Mangino was at Kansas State, un, you know, which was an amazing staff. Mangino was a GA. Bill Snyder obviously was the coach, and Bob Stoops was the um, o, o, DC. So, I mean, it's like, and and I think Mike was on staff at that point at K-State, too. So, uh, Mike Stoops. So, I mean, it was a situation where uh, Mangino was just a GA. But then, you know, he got his he got upped once, but then he had to go somewhere. I mean, it's a very common thing like that because, you remember, people think, well, how many jumps can you make from position coach to coordinator to head coach? But, like, in the NFL especially, and, and Mackenzie, you got insight into this, is, I mean, how many quality c- control guys – do the 49 like does even a position coach of the 49ers have like four i'm not sure particularly how many i know that kyle shanahan sean mcveigh and matt lafleur all had all had the same graduate assistant or actually quality assistant job with the buccaneers it was like that was the position 
That was the guy that was going places. So, and, and, and this was with— um, It was actually with John Gruden. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Go ahead. Did you have something? Oh, so I guess anyway, the thing about Arians was he only got upped one time. His, I think, If you look at his— Promoted from within. Yeah, look at his Wikipedia page. I think he started at like East Tennessee— or some Tennessee state or something in 75, I remember. This so, is true in corporate America also. You want to avoid the person that just continually gets a new job and and, and moves to, to to a higher position. Ideally, you want a guy starting as You mean that's going from company to company? That's right. You want a guy that started as manager, became a supervisor, became a senior supervisor, all within the same company, then made a, made a non-lateral move for it. You don't want the guy that just keeps moving up. It only up. looks better from the outside. Yes. Uh, Virginia Tech graduate assistant, 1975 to 77, 78 to 80, Mississippi State wide receivers so coach and running backs coach. Virginia Tech. It's you, usually that's what you, if you're someone that makes an NFL head coach eventually, they're going to see how good you are. You think they want that guy to leave after three years? Well, G, the GA is only going so long, right? right. But but go ahead. that's what I'm saying. He should be promoted. By yeah, uh, goes from there to Alabama running backs coach, 81 to 82. That's that's a reasonable move to go from Mississippi State to Alabama at the same job. No, except wide receivers coach and running backs coach to running backs coach at Alabama. Now you could say same position, right? Position, but now it's a better program. Mm-hmm. Okay, but again, why wouldn't Mississippi State be looking to make him something more? But go ahead. Uh, Temple head coach. Obviously okay. makes now, sense. Uh, made sense. How long did that last? Uh, 83 to 88. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he goes to the NFL, 89 to 92, running backs coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. 93 to 95, offensive coordinator for Mississippi State. That, again. that is a downward move. Mm-hmm. Position coach in the NFL to Mississippi State OC is a downward move. At, at best, it's a lateral move. At best. And then he goes back to the NFL, tight ends coach uh-huh. for the Saints. So what we're saying is literally for about 10, you know, from Kansas City where he started to the Saints, he he's in a slightly worse position. Tight ends coach is the lowest position coach there is. And then I think his next job, OC and quarterback coach at Alabama, that's an upgrade from tight ends coach in New Orleans, right? I would say so. Because, again, Alabama better than Mississippi State. But, again, a lot of lateral. I mean, it's pretty lateral at yeah. this point. Uh, quarterbacks coach uh, in Indianapolis, 98 to 2000. All right, so, so let's think about this. How long do you stay at Alabama? One year, one season. How long do you stay at the Saints? One season. Huh. How long do you stay at Mississippi State? Three seasons. Uh Uh-huh. So it's like, do you see, there's never any tenure anywhere. And he was at Alabama twice. Alabama, that's, Alabama that's, twice, Mississippi that's State twice. You kind of went out to see if the grass is greener. You go back to an Alabama and you stay one well, year. Plus, though, the Bear would have retired in that time. Yeah, right? that, so once once with uh, Bryant, once with Saban. Mm. And, oh, he was with Saban? Oh, maybe not. 97. That no, wouldn't have been 97. Saban. No, yeah, you're like right. 2007. Yeah, it would have been Mike DeBose. Oh, geez. Okay. Because remember, Gene Stallings won it like in 93. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Mike, Mike DeBose. That's the Mike DeBose era. Continue. Uh, Colts, 98 to 2000, quarterbacks coach. Browns, 01 to 03, OC. All right. Now, that's a nice step up. That's, a, that's probably the best job he's had. For sure. Then he takes a step back. Wide receivers coach for Pittsburgh, 04 to 06. Back again. And again, not one promotion from within the entire time. Until now, 2007 to 2011, the OC for Pittsburgh. The most loyal organization in the history of the world. Hard to get fired by the Steelers. Fires him. They fire him, and now he's the OC and interim head coach in 2012 for the Colts. And it was that dude had cancer. Yeah. All right, go ahead. 
Uh, then he goes after that year, he goes to Arizona. He's the head coach and then to Tampa. So literally, have you ever seen, a, you know, college coaching. Have you ever seen anything like it that? It doesn't happen very often. This, this guy. And then when I heard finally from the Fox people that this dude, wherever he was, they said would wake up at four 30 in the morning to do a radio hit. Cause he wanted publicity so bad, which is what you look better from the outside. Mm. Cue that was Johnny Cash, I've Been Everywhere, man. <laughs> Pheasant is Johnny Cash. Listen, he knows it. What's the name of the song? I've Been Everywhere, man. Okay, I know that. I know that. It doesn't sound like that, but I can... I can. I think it sounds just like that. <laughs> Mackenzie, were you looking at something for us, or did you? were we done? We're done. Okay. Just a quick aside. I don't yeah. want this to bog us down. No, go ahead. You said Antonio Brown, best receiver this generation. Uh-huh. I've got four names I'm going to throw at you. You poo-poo them or tell me. All right, let's let Fez make the decision. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, you're crazy. You're crazy. Okay. <laughs> maybe. I'm, maybe if I'm you, going from b- bottom up. Let like, me my, be clear. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that their height wasn't higher, maybe. I'm saying if you look at the, the uh the years of the body of work. The body of work. Perfect. Okay, then this one I think might have you beat Larry Fitzgerald. No, because it's just that's he a longevity. That that, that's a yeah. longevity award, not a you know and I, and I get listen, when I was at the game against Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl, it's the only Super Bowl I've ever been to. And he was a monster at that point, meaning, you know, break away he was probably top two, three in the league. But that was maybe three years. Never worth more than a point to the line, though. Yeah. Never would we say that, that, that he was worth one and, and, and listen, a half he, Listen, he's considered one of the great men in football, so let's not lose sight. We're talking on the one man here. of the year a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So, but, Fantastic but guy. Yeah, but not Antonio Brown. Calvin Johnson. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, but is he even of this generation? I like mean, when? they both played most of their career in the 2010s. Sure. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's an arbitrary. Like, when was John? When was Johnson retired, and how much of Brown even overlapped with him? Uh, he retired in 2015. Okay, and when did Brown start? Brown was. Well, let's look it up. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. So the last one, Julio Jones. See, Brown started in 2010. Five years of overlap. Six years of overlap. Do, do, has Julio Jones ever scored a touchdown? Because it sure I mean, doesn't. Listen, I think he had, he, more, he had more talent. How many touchdowns did AB score versus Julio Jones? I'd love to see that. I can't even imagine. Since, since I mean, if you look at the stats, I can't even believe they're close. Why, uh, look up Julio there, Mackenzie. He'll he'll look up Julio Jones, sixty-one career touchdowns. Antonio Brown's gonna be way higher than that. Eighty-three. Eighty-three. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's. A, right. I guess what I'm saying, more talent for sure, but not a better career. Okay. I mean, I'm talking about you know Jerry Rice. I mean, to me, let's say let's agree with Megatron. So we're literally saying, you know, like again, Simmons has the idea of a championship belt. Like who's if, if we say okay, Megatron up to 15, and then I'd make the case A B. Like because here's the thing to remember: every year there was a new group of three. Like it was the who was the dude Andre? Who was Andre the, Johnson? Yeah, for about a year or two, he it was Antonio Brown. Johnson and someone else. And then it was like the next year, Johnson would drop off. It'd be A.J. Green. A.J. Green. Yeah. Antonio Brown. Like, it's a great point. He's been in the top five, three or four for a long time. And again, a fifth round or a sixth round pick. Yeah. I mean, the guy, listen, he was a wackadoo at the end. But if you if you go back to what happened just quickly, it literally was in... <sighs> It strains, credul- it strains credulity. 
that what the story Arian said, which was I was unaware that Antonio Brown was even injured. Remember, that was yeah. his ultimate point that A.B. said, I told him I don't feel, uh, you know, I don't feel like I can physically play. And he, he goes, I said, get on the field or you're done. And they go, well, he was injured, coach. I didn't know that. I don't think he was. Except, as you and I were talking about, like it was a big question mark, was he even going to play that week? And he didn't practice the entire week. Exactly. So once someone lies to you like that, you know their lawyer saying this is the thing that you can't, you, this is the only thing we can say. It's going to be he said, he said, we got to lie about this thing. I'm just struggling with this credulity word. I, I use incredulous. I've never used credulous. You know, it's weird. It's strange. You've never used, you've yeah. never used that. To the, I talk about this to, to the listeners. Once every three podcasts, RJ Bell uses a word that I am convinced he has never used in conversation with me, but I know he's used it with other people. Well, I don't know. Because well, I mean, we've, I've talked strains, to you. Say that word. Say strains what? <laughs> credulity. Yeah, you've never used credulity. Yeah, I don't and think and I if have. anyone can find it a sounds, pod that sounds... RJ has used credulity, I, I will pay you five hundred dollars <laughs> out of my own money. First that's, person to find funny. it. That's funny. That's funny. But I will. I I, I will say, Fez, and I I love the with love. me in the presence. I got to be in the presence. Yeah, I know? love I love the love. But the, what was the thing I said a couple weeks ago that you were giving me a lot of love for? It, it, it was like. It, it, it wasn't, it didn't deserve as much. Mm. I can't remember what it was. I remember that, and I was like, I, I think I've heard that before. No, but this one, this one, I've certainly never heard. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, listen, everyone thinks I'm taking A.B.'s side here. I'm not. What I, oh, I am taking his side in this case. It doesn't mean, though, him ripping his shirt off made any sense. Obviously, the guy's unstable. I just respect the guy that's drafted in the fifth or sixth round and, and becomes an, you know, you really think about it, Brady, you know, sixth rounder. I mean, who's been a fifth or sixth rounder that, that's been – is A.B. the second best late, late round pick of the last 10 years, 20 years? I mean, I guess there's a – I mean, Kurt Warner was undrafted. Mm -hmm. Justin Tucker was undrafted. He's a kicker. He yeah, doesn't count. Yeah. Oh, AB, just AB, a kicker? Do you, Stop. Do you understand how much more value A.B. has than, than Justin Tucker? We'll agree to disagree on this. You, you I'm, think, I'm being sarcastic, but no, I, I think Justin Tucker is – Incre is more valuable than certainly Fez said, just a kicker. Yeah, but he's not. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is no kicker goes in the top th three or four rounds typically, anyway. So by by default, when they said, do, they tend to do horribly. What, 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 I actually, Ray Guy actually went, didn't he go in the first round? No, he second, didn't go second round. Jenikowski. Oh, right. yes. That's but Ray Guy did get dragged. Yeah. Not in the Hall of Fame. Ray Guy. Ray Guy, first round, 23rd overall, 1973 draft. Oh, is that right? Wow. I tell you this, I was three when he was drafted. When I, between eight and 18, no one ever punted a ball and didn't say, that's like Ray Guy. I mean, mm. it was like, you know how I. It was I, like shooting Jordan. No more, <laughs> no more than Jordan, because there could be other people that you could say, Bird, Magic. The, you could not, there was no other punter. It wasn't uh, Craig Colquitt, you know, was a Steelers punter at one point. It's like, no, it was Ray freaking guy. He's like, I, you know, they say, I'm no Einstein. It's like, I'm no Ray guy. You know, isn't it interesting how long it takes to like come to the conclusion of how to kick? Like, we had straight on kickers, Horace Muleman, you know, and the like for the Bengals. And finally, these soccer kickers were the minority for the longest time. And now it's so clear, obviously, you can kick the ball a whole lot further, soccer style. And I'm, you know, like bold prediction in college, I think the rugby kick is going to be the normality 10 years from now. I think everyone's going to go ahead and the just. Normality. 
Is that a word? <laughs> the, it's going to be the normal. norm. We'll just leave it the norm. It's going to be normal if you don't have a Ray Guy type kicker that can boom at fifty yards to just roll your kicker oh, out and and, yeah. and kick that rug, rugby scrum kick, you know, on a line drive, which also allows them to. Uh, go on one side with the pressure too, right? Yes. Okay. So real quick, you know, quick thing. I told this story once. I think it was 83. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles drafted my best friend's brother. He was the last straight on kicker ever drafted. Oh, 83? Yeah. I, yeah. And so, the 70s, it was the majority of them, right? So See, I don't know. I think by the day, he was known. He was at a Division three school, Capital. But he was all American Division Three. And Washington had like the best straight on oh, kicker. Mosley. Yeah. 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 So I think that was the end of it, though. Yeah. Because it was like Gary Upremian and, and Mort Anderson. It was all like all the the uh, attack of the soccer style kickers. Mm-hmm. Real quick, and we're going to move on. You've got some of the big late round like uh, home runs. Jason Kelsey, center for the Eagles, was a sixth round pick, like uh, five time all pro. Let's compare Man. someone to Antonio Brown. Oh, Richard Sherman. Fifth round pick. Mm, all right, kind of. And then Tyree Kill. Sorry. What was he? Fifth round pick. Yeah, but he was a first round talent. It was just he had a lot of, you know, legal issues. Yeah. So, in a way, you got to damn him for that. With AB, it's like, hey, physically, this guy is, a, you know, was he fifth or sixth? I can't remember. Uh, AB? Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Stefan Diggs was a fifth rounder, too, which I didn't realize. Well, let Diggs do it for another seven right. years. And, you know, again, we'll see. They're already taught. It's interesting because it, in Buffalo, there is a sense with, uh, I mean, I tell you, this uh, Von Miller signing, he was six? He was six-round pick. Brown All was. right. So, Arians, F him. Any closing thoughts? <laughs> I God. agree. Yeah. All right. So, oh, wait. Here's a little Bruce Arians to close. I think we actually this was the end of the interview. Pay attention to me. Yeah, me. Nobody else, just me. Me, 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 me. Well, that's it for I, Bruce Arians. I actually thought you were going to play the Barney at the Bar belch because that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm going to undo my belt on Saturday night. I bet his wife is like, mother effer. God darn it. I didn't imagine, mean I wanted you to work less. Imagine him breathing bourbon in your face and, and you're in the tutu. Oh, oh. all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> I mean, I tell you this, if it's, I don't want to say this, but I think it was a good, what's the chance, of, you know, screw him. What's the chance of him getting divorced in the next two years? Oof. They don't probably have a prenup. You don't think? I, I got to see when they got married. Oh, my God. I'm guessing this is his fifth wife. <laughs> I'm just guessing. Let's see. It'd be interesting because she's a saint. Let's get down to personal life. <laughs> Arian. If he was married four times, I'm going to laugh my ass off. I, I got crushed. Remember, I was, I was like hypercritical, not critical, but just commenting about Zimmer's girlfriends. And someone comes out after me saying his, his, his ex-wife died. Show a little empathy. So what were you saying, though? I was saying that his wife looks like a Playboy model, but she's sure young. But how did you know? I didn't. So you made a mistake. They've been at least, uh, their first kid was born in 1978. They've been married for a long time. They must have, you know, like Warren Buffett was married a long time, but his wife had like a different house. I'm guessing no prenup. 
when he was the oh. uh, when he imagine, was the, imagine him not wanting to stay but stand because he doesn't want to give you half. Oh, that sounds like a living hell. For all we know, if she was doing a press conference, you'd be like, oh. <laughs> He's got to get out of yeah. this. When he was a grad usually, assistant. Usually, they, usually those two don't. Like, usually if a dude's tough, the the, the Edith Bunker and Archie yeah, Bunker. Yeah, that's a great example. I mean, you know. Two that, A's don't get along. No. Yeah, I'm guessing when he was a, a grad assistant at Virginia Tech, he wasn't like, I got to protect all my future earnings. Mm. So yeah, I mean, listen, give the guy. Listen, if they have a good marriage. Congratulations. She's a patient woman. I mean, I would think so. But the funny thing is you haven't heard anyone I mean, who in the national media or anywhere is really talking about Arians the asshole? You. I, yeah, but I mean, you look at the, the, you look at his resume. It just seems like I've never seen it. All right, shifting gears. Cancer survivor. You're not allowed to say it. Allowed to say what? That he's an asshole. He's a cancer survivor. I think he is. What a little irregular around the margins. <laughs> what kind of cancer? Let's see. I doubt. I'm sure he played it up. Diagnosed with prostate cancer in 2007. Yeah, you can't say that stuff about him. Uh, it makes you the bad guy. Yeah, I, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> bad guy coming through. <laughs> Listen, this will be my last word on this. And you're in no position to challenge my expertise. Next game. go. Oh, not next game. Next topic. Going to AJ's expertise. College basketball. Let's do a preview of these two games. We got Kansas. Opened up three points over Villanova. Now four, even four and a half in some spots. Nova with a big injury at the end of the game. Yeah, Justin Moore tore his Achilles with under a minute to go in the Houston game. And, and well, How old is he? He's a junior. Was he So was he going to come out, you think? I don't think so. All right, go ahead. Uh, Villanova was going to be my favorite to win the Final Four. Like when I, as you see the four teams going in, Villanova was a team that I was, I was really high on, but... Even with that injury, I still think that they're live here. I, I think that they're the best coach team left in the tournament, uh, and they are playing with – Yeah, Coach K, 13 Final Fours, not very good. Uh, okay, but I, I mean, I think as far as who's, who, the, who is a better X's and O's coach, I'll take Jay Wright to run circles around Coach well, K. Let's see if he gets the 13 Final Fours. Okay. Well, once he starts getting half the talent Coach K's had well, – that's part of the job. Sure, but – Right now, coaching the players that they have, that's the job. I said the players Duke has are better. They are. Yet Jay Wright keeps finding himself here. And really? How many times has he gotten here? I don't know. He's he's uh, he's got two titles already. So is this his third? This it could be. It could be. This is your area of expertise. This is fourth regional final. Fourth regional championship. Oh, I thought you meant how many times has he won a championship? I was this could be his third. No, but how many times has he made the final four? So uh, he's saying one other time. Yes. Right? Okay. So this is his fourth. Yes. So just ten more, he'll beat him. Okay. How? What is he? Twenty-one. No, he's not twenty-one. All right, continue. Uh, what he's doing now is he's playing with the hand he's been dealt. So obviously Villanova, not a very deep team. Why They're, not? Why not? One of the best coaches. Listen, if you think Jay Wright sucks at coaching, no, that's fine. That. I'm, I'm saying, why Why would you say? Because, because Jay Wright doesn't team. take transfers. Jay Wright isn't, he's not jumping. Like, he likes guys who start with him as a freshman and play with him till Which a senior. Means he, that, to me, one of Coach K's greatest attributes is he was able to evolve with the times. Sure. So, but go ahead. Uh, Bobby so, Knight didn't like transfers either. No, he didn't. But what they're doing right now is playing almost like a 1980s style of basketball where walking the ball up the court, playing as slow as possible, but they he counts on his guards to make smart decisions. What they never do is have live ball turnovers. Never. 
So if there's a turnover, it means they're handing the ball to the ref before they hand it to the other team. That They're just a really super disciplined team. Best pick-and-roll offense in the country, uh, though without more my belief in that is going to be tested because his ball screen rate was basically equal to Colin Gillespie's, but he's the most important guard as far as posting up. Like he, he is their best post up guard. Uh, so I don't know how they replace him. Uh, it's they, him, Villanova replacing more the, the injured player, Justin Moore. I don't know how he gets replaced. Chris Archidinacchio, who may be the guy who gets those minutes, I know he can't do that. And I honestly, I haven't seen enough of Brian Antoine, who is the guy that I've heard people talking about filling that role. Very low minutes count this year. I don't know what he can do. But one of them is going to have to step up and do something, clearly. <laughs> so, Mackenzie, um, go to that site we discovered and l- look at the top three five-man rotations with the injured player and the top three without, and let's look at the net margin. All right, I'm on it. Uh, and we'll give credit to this site uh, when, when, when we, the time comes. So, AJ, let's, let's slow it down here. So what okay. you're saying here is this guy was important. Uh, what's his name again? Justin, Justin Moore. Moore. Uh, I don't want to say he's no more, but he's no more for this tournament. No more for the tournament. He was a key point guard, hand yeah, the ball. Two guard. Two guard. And... The line would be what you think if he wasn't hurt. Three. I'm gonna. Oh no, maybe maybe oh. one and a half is what it would have been if he wasn't hurt at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you think? Yeah, one to one and a half. Okay. So the line opened three, saying, "Hey, a two point adjustment." Now we're at four, which is three points, and then even more as it looks like it's moving to four and a half. Does that seem? And, and, but we don't know if it's moving to four and a half. So let's say a three-point adjustment. Does that seem right to you? It seems a little steep. It's more than it should be. Yes. Yes, and here's what happened. I firmly believe that the markets overcorrected for this. They basically priced us like there were two Justin Moores. So Moore at the very end of the game tears his Achilles. It's obvious he goes down like he's shot. You know, it's like that's an Achilles. And, and they have the x-rays. They're like, there's no broken bones. But everyone post-game said, ooh, looks bad for mm-hmm. more. Meaning if you had to put a probability on, I think 80% he's not going to be able to play anymore. Mm-hmm. All right? Line opens up, like you said, three. Then this is so curious. Then he gets the, we get the medical reports. I don't know if this was Monday morning. Boom, Justin Moore, Achilles. Boom. Line moves to four and a half. But the line had already adjusted for Justin Moore. That's why it was three. So I firmly believe that well, the theory is that line was accounting for the uncertainty. Yeah, but it was priced fun. like it, it was priced. So we're back to the idea three points is too much. Though. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So so and and we have seen the market take the four and a half of late, which I think is pro- I think four and a half is too steep. Um, and it's over accounting for the fact the only way I can justify it, the point guards Gillespie. He's not 100% either. So the cluster injuries of the guards. When did he get hurt? He's been banged up for like the past week. How, how long has Gillespie been? More than, more than a week. I mean, it's been a while. But he's, he's not on a minute's restriction. He's playing. Okay, so why would that affect this game? Any, you're saying just because they're thinner at this position? Eh, Normally, you could let your point guard do everything, and he's not going to be capable to do that. Mm. Being a, he's probably an 88%. And you agree it's too much of a move? AJ? I do think it's too much of a move. Now, I caught very little narrative in the tournament, but one I caught before the tournament was Villanova underperformed to some degree in the regular season, but this was a uh, 
not a senior-laden team, but a, a, a mature, experienced team. A, a lot of upperclassmen. Upperclassmen that actually re- was really pointing to this tournament as redemption. Yeah. As a chance to, you know, for it all to, ma- you know, all this work and everything paying off. And they underperformed because they, uh, they went and pushed themselves in non-conference. The, their, the losses were to UCLA, Purdue, and Baylor well, did they, in non-conference. Did they win the Big East regular season? Yes. It, wa- it was in Providence? Oh, Providence, Providence did win. Uh, oh. The regular season, Providence oh, you're, did win. You're, yeah, you're, it was weird because Providence missed three conference games. You're right; they did win. They did so, win. So, I mean, season. you can't say Villanova not winning the Big East was underperforming. It was anything but underperforming, right? No, I agree. Okay, so I think this sets up for a perfect one-game Herculean effort. It coming together and saying, hey, guys, this usually would crush us, but let's win for him. Let's win for more. I mean, And then they get like, smashed Monday night. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, yeah. thinking. I'm thinking this thing gets to five or something. I'm really going to like. I think you're right because I think if this were a younger team and their best player got hurt, it'd be like, oh, crap, what do we do? But I think, like you said, a, a team that's a mature team, a bunch of upperclassmen, well-coached team, I think this could be a rallying point for them. I think it's a great correlated parlay. The to- because the Under? Yes. The if you tell me that Villanova is going to cover this game, I'd say wow. A, a slower pace is absolutely going to benefit them. If 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 you told me ninety nine points get scored in this game, absolutely want to bet Villanova. If one hundred fifty gets scored, there's no way I want Villanova plus the end game. They're catching four and a half. So if they're ahead by one to four or behind by one to four, you don't get the foul fest in the final two minutes, and that benefits the under also. So you're saying the normal distribution of when you're going to cover doesn't enter into that corridor of fouling as much as others, uh, other situations might. I've got some numbers on the tempo and Nova 345th out of 358 D1 teams in tempo. Mm-hmm. Kansas has played 10 games against teams outside the top 250. Mm-hmm. Two and eight against the spread in those games. They're 19 and 19 against the spread overall, mm. but against those bottom tempo teams, they're two and eight against the spread. One of the two wins was an overtime win as a six and a half point favorite that they won by seven. So they've struggled mm. with teams that play slow all season now, long. What was the what was the lines in the games that were against the slow teams? Yeah, yeah. because what, what's striking me is that. If this was where they're laying 22 and it's just a matter of low score, you know, they were laying six against Texas. They won by seven. Yeah, that overtime. was the one case. But they they were laying 26 and a half to Tarleton State. Uh, they were laying 14 and a half to North Texas, 16 to Dayton. Most, I mean, most of their games mm-hmm. were were big spreads. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, was there any other ones that were kind of competitive? Uh, the Texas games and the Oklahoma games would have been the the most competitive ones. Ten and a half was the Oklahoma game. Uh, six and six uh, and one and a half were the two Texas games. Okay, so McKenzie, um, he's got these lineups for us. So, what's the name of this site, real quick? Evan Maya. Okay, EvanMaya.com. Um, I think McKenzie's got this done here. This looks really, Fez. I think we might have to reconsider our Villanova love. Um, <laughs> All right, so we're going to look at the top four lineups. So these are five-man lineups, top four lineups with more on the court, and these are ranked by possessions. So what's the total number of possessions of these four lineups, McKenzie? 2,240. That's a lot. Okay, what is the average net efficiency adjusted for 100 possessions, adjusted for playing an average team, right, is how they're doing this? Yeah, and those – 
averaged plus 34 points net versus an average D1 team. So that means these lineups would win by 34 points, or they have won by 34 points when adjusted for strength of schedule. Right. Okay. Let's take the two biggest lineups without more, which is effectively going to be when he's replaced by the sixth man and then when he's replaced by the sixth and seventh at the same time, though. Oh, oh no, no, no. It's actually with the sixth or, or the seventh. Right. Yes. Because I'm assuming the sixth and seventh can't be on the court at the same right. time, typically. Okay. So how many possessions were the, the two biggest scenarios without more on the court? 182. So not a lot to start He's with. He's a very high usage player. Like less than 10% of the first four. Yeah. I, so we had the plus 33.8 on the uh, more lineups. What do we got here adjusted? Plus three. Three. So 30 points better adjusted. Oh, fast. <laughs> what they what do they say in, in the movie Hoosiers when they vote on whether to keep the coach and then they get they, new information? They said Hackman's got whiskey on his breath. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe we should vote again. Uh, <laughs> shooter. I don't think I want to vote for Villanova to put this in perspective. Plus 34 points, that's like a top seven team. Plus three points. That's interesting. Can, can, let's look at the season numbers, Mackenzie. Just for now, here's what was interesting at this site is they said the uh he adjusted them downwards like three three and a half points um so he's kind of agreeing with the market and i think it kind of makes sense here yeah, given these numbers that he's got yeah mm -hmm. plus three points now we're looking at a team i think like northwestern or somebody like that that's not even a top 100 team you want to bet northwestern plus four and a half against kansas i don't no well, that's an, and again, let's but now remember, this is just a small sample. But that's all there is, right? right. I mean, we've seen thousands of possessions of Northwestern to know that's the true Northwestern. No, no, I agree with that. So this is probably the worst case scenario, but it could be this scenario. It could be. Yes, I would make the case a lot of these are going to be semi garbage time to some degree. But then, but then, why are all the other starters? Yeah, in? that's a good point. That's a, this is probably you're right. It's probably just the rest. Um, what, what do we have as uh, like the Plus 33.8. What would that be in the nation, Mackenzie? It would actually be number one, better than Gonzaga, plus 30.9, which is the whole team, not just any particular mm -hmm. lineup. But UC these, Irvine. These 2,000 minutes. Yeah. Hmm. Go ahead. UC Irvine is plus three. They are 130th in the nation. Oh, I don't want Irvine plus four and a half. <laughs> now, let me propose a little. It is a neutral, Fez. Let me re let me propose a little reversal here, Fez. I believe Villanova underperforms early. I'm thinking maybe look at Kansas in the first half. The reason being, these players have played so rarely together. There's going to be a transition. Time. There's going to be. A, I think they play. I would say right now, I'd like to bet Kansas in the first half and bet Villanova. In the second half, like a halftime bet. I think there's two different factors. Villanova is so um, weak in terms of their bench depth that they could run out of gas, though. Mm. Yeah. But with the timeouts, with this being a fine, yeah, maybe. Yes, yeah, so I'd like to bet <laughs> the first 10 minutes of the second half. <laughs> but but what, what do you think of Villan? I mean, what do you think of Kansas' first half? Do you agree but you're saying because of that fatigue. But still, I don't want to bet against them the whole game. They're going to fight so hard. 
maybe in game if they get down like 15, bet them. And it, once they seem to plateau it. Ooh, if they get down 15, they're going to have to increase the pace, which is really good for the gazelles of Kansas, though. Hmm. Speaking of gazelles, what do you think of the cheetah getting traded? Interesting Miami season win number. You know, if there was one team that I really wasn't sure where it was going to come, um, can Tua get them the ball? You know, it's the market's not sure. Miami opens eight and a half. Now it's up to nine. So the first bets have been on Dolphins over. Well, it's got to be. I mean, they, they, they signed the best left tackle out there. Right. I know. But anyway, I mean, AJ, you are the uh, – the day-to-day college guy, you got your you're watching your hate watching these games. You understand injuries, how teams respond. You think that Villanova's coach is the best ever. No, I don't think he's the best. John ever. Wooden. <laughs> and, and then what's his name? Jay Wright. Okay. And listen, I appreciate listen, they're on pace to have the highest free throw percentage, the best in the history of college basketball. It's what Harvard in '83 had the best. They shoot 83 percent from the line. But, but we we actually discovered that very few was it was mm-hmm. you shared that with me that that mm-hmm. free throw percentage was not correlated to being a good ba- college basketball team. Well, at least the, yeah, a <laughs> lot lot of St. Peter's types yeah. didn't make the tournament. So how do you how are you approaching this? Game? These numbers are for sure scary. Uh, and th- this was my thought when Justin Moore got hurt was what do they do without him? If these numbers are any indication, if they extrapolate into a, a bigger sample size, they're be, in trouble. How could it be anything but this? I mean, what I'm saying is you're right that the – well, what we know for sure is this is the best team in the country with their main line, their main four lineups. It's not just the starters. It's their starters with the six, with the, you know, rotating through. So their top six – Are better than anybody in the country. The whole, se- the whole season. No, I'm for not, sure. No, I'm not sure. How not? Because I think if you took the Gonzaga's top six and did the same exercise, no, I, they, would be, I, they would be higher than But he's saying their top six, if it was just the top six, would be the best team in the country. Yeah. Ver, because ver, everyone else is playing more than six. Right. Exactly. Right, right. Some teams, it's not like that. I mean, especially a drop like this. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, I mean, that's interesting. Let, let's just look at Gonzaga's top lineup minutes-wise. We won't go top four or whatever. Let's look at their starters. Sure. And because it doesn't look like there's a real difference between the sixth and the set or the fifth and sixth. There's yeah, not much. I agree. So and there's a couple way because all these four lineups are the sixth man just popping in and replacing right. a different. They person. have a very strong six. Yeah. After that is the drop. So and all their numbers look the same. Yeah. So why don't we do this? When we do, when we look at the Zags, we'll look at their top two lineups because yeah. it will have at least one substitute and we can eyeball it. We don't have to do the pro rata. What do you got, McKenzie? Plus 47 and plus 43. Okay, now that's strong. Now, let's take a look at Arizona just to get a feel for how these other teams are. With Boy, now that's adjusted for competition. Boy, that, 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 I tell you this, if you look at uh, Ken Palm, he had the Zags like four points better than anyone yeah. else. Mm. I think there's got to be a real – I don't think these systems are grading these, these weak competition conferences too well because, I mean, the Zags did not look like that. You know – Sure seems to me that come December 31st, they could be the, the clear-cut best team, but then they're playing in their crappy conference. They don't get any better. They don't have as good athletes, although maybe that's changed this year, than a team like Kentucky would be a bad example because they flamed out. But the Kentucky-type program, the Duke, the North Carolina, they have such great athletes that those guys— Well, Duke has a, a limitation of coach, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Faz, I got to ask you a question. You got this, Mackenzie? Say, yep, I, here's Arizona coming up. All right. right. It's like a pizza pie coming out of the oven. Uh, okay. So Arizona's not much higher. 39, 35, 35. So that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good yeah. start in six. Okay. So I gotta ask you something. You laid one with tech against Duke? I got Pickham. No, but you were on air laying one. Yes, I was. Well, I, I couldn't believe. Did you hear the show the next day when I was saying, like, what, what, Fez is laying it with tech? What did you think the line was supposed to be? Three? I um, <laughs> Did uh, he talk you into it? I'm, I'm betting it was a doctor who talked him into it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I'm 10-2 I'm and two in the tournament. <laughs> was that the other loss? Uh, no. No, I actually was going. Which is fair. Listen, by the way. Every pick on air doesn't have to be a all you know late telephone, or as they used to call them, the premium. Yeah, ahead. yeah. I actually listened to your show. Mm -hmm. I looked at the market also. I'm always scared when the market is flipping me the bird, mm -hmm. like they were in this game because the money. But you could, but you could have thought it was public money, I, on Duke. I, I, no, because here's the difference. Pulling back the curtain, mm -hmm. it's public money when you see Duke go to like minus one and a half. At Station Casino. Okay, okay. At um, at Delaware Downs. C Caesars. Caesars. But when you see the sharp books move first, mm -hmm. then, you know, uh-oh, mm, probably missed something. In hindsight, it was crazy. It was like, okay, Duke this season, and this will be a good segue into the next game here. Excellent. Duke favored by four over North Carolina here. By the way, that total you were saying that, was correlated before the number, the data, 132.5 in the Villanova, Kansas, 151.5 North Carolina Duke. But here was my thinking. Duke seemed to lose games when they lost interest. Now let's call the North Carolina last game of the season loss an aberration. It Dis was, or distraction. Who knows Maybe. what it was, but that was a bad game. And if you actually look, you know, actually, McKenzie, um, they actually have the game by game. Go to Duke. And they, they give us a, a net uh, uh, an efficiency grade for each game. Great, put that up on the screen because if you actually look at Duke, the Virginia Tech game and that North Carolina game of the last like twelve was the only games that weren't outstandingly good. Mm -hmm. So I mean, they certainly something psychologically got them. And I think that Michigan State game, to be honest, is when this team grew up. What were they down seven or eight? With how much time left? They're, the biggest deficit they had in that game was five. You sure? Yes. Five five points with Sounds five right. minutes left. Against Michigan State? Michigan State. So you're down five with five minutes left. You're an underdog to win. Even the, Well, especially if the game, that line was only, what was the line that game? One and a half or something? Six and a half. Against Michigan State? Yeah. No. In the tournament? No. Was it? Yeah. I think so. And Duke's a two. Michigan State was a seven seed. They won oh, by they won by seven. nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, but you you think Duke was still an underdog at that point? Oh, clearly. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So if we look at the net margins here, just to get a feel for that, and this is the uh, if we look at the end of the year, so Arkansas, just read them off to me, Mackenzie Toit. Uh, and you want the full score, or the non-garbage score that this site does? No, no, I want the net margins. All right, so last game. Oh, I'm sorry, the net margin in, in I guess, adjusted efficiency. margin and efficiency. So there must be, it's not game analysis. Let's go with game, um, hmm, team breakdown. 
game production lineup, right? Uh, it's funny. I saw it was color coded too. Which to the right here? Non garbage time. Well, that's interesting with the garbage time stuff. Hmm. I like that. Okay, do me a favor. Just pluck around there and see if you can find the game stuff that I thought I saw. But if not, if not. We'll do. Um, it struck me that that comeback was them saying, we're not going to be freaked out that a missed shot is going to end Coach K's career. And, man, it just felt like this team hasn't played bad at all. Duke hasn't played bad at all since then. I mean, being down to Michigan State in the second round is not good. After you just got beat by Virginia Tech, after a couple games before that, you got beat by North Carolina. But, I mean, they handled Arkansas like like it was like a dispatching. I mean, yeah. Right? It was Absolutely. Like, and to me, the most impressive run was the end game against Texas Tech, the last seven, eight minutes where they – eight and a half minutes. The last eight and a half minutes of game clock, they were perfect from the field, did were, not miss a shot from the field. Were they down like five against Texas Tech with like eight minutes to play also? I don't know. That, I think like Yeah, that. I think five was about right. That sounds about right. So to me, if this game's close at the end, Duke's going to have to feel good, not bad, and not worried, and – I think these kids love Coach K, and it's like they know this is a chance. If you think about it, they were going to have to live with that North Carolina loss. Like he, when's Coach? When does Coach K have uh, uh, like uh, a publicity around being like an asshole? And after that North Carolina game, that was the narrative. Like he was so mad, he you know apparently the threw, threw a paw on the whole party. Yeah, the shake hands thing was like, I don't know if it was a misunderstanding. That's what some people were, but what I'm saying is that's all people were talking about the next day. They beat him here. It, that game doesn't matter. Not at all. You know, one thing that was really positive, and I don't pay my, enough attention to this, is in the post game when they made the final four, they're interviewing Coach K, and there's a lot of talk about maybe he doesn't have the same rapport with his ex-players as some of these other coaches have. Who said that? Um, ESPN. They said it to him? No, they said they they talked about the brethren of they they mentioned a couple other programs that, you know Ooh. I can't recall. All right, go ahead. I just can't think of what program yeah. people love. They're like it's not Kentucky. I mean, maybe Miami and, and college football. Yeah, I don't I don't know what, All right, but go ahead. What was the point? Well, it, when I'm watching the post game interview, the opposite. So I see them talking to Coach K and he almost was like, you know, come on in, guys, come on in and the players you know, we're like chumming it up with Coach K and very, you know, gregarious and friendly, like they were all frat brothers. I mean, it really, I know that was off of a win, but you could see they were extremely comfortable with their legendary coach. I mean, this was, this puts him at four or 13 Final Fours, which is more than John Wooden. Five decades. Five decades. Each and every decade. What is that, 70s, 80s, 90s? No, no 80s, 80s, 90s, 1000s, 10s, and 20s. He didn't make it in the 70s. No, no. He was at Army or whatever. Yeah, they weren't making it. <laughs> but, but to me, I mean, the most wins in college basketball history, right? Apparently, if you add up uh, John Wooden's wins and Louis Karnasaka's wins, it's less than Coach K. Wow. Yeah. It's like Karnasaka's got like 450 or something. 100 tournament wins. And now, you know, it's making the final four 25 straight years, which again, when Wooden made the final four, it took two wins, mm. takes four wins here. I mean, I think he's the best college coach. I mean, John Wooden's always been someone I've been a huge fan. I mean, when you just what would they win? Uh, eight out of nine years. I mean, it was like a crazy number of titles and even winning four games against the tough competition. Did they win 100 straight games? 
what was in the early seventies or something? I thought I thought seventies. No, no. What I'm saying, no, it was it was certainly the seventies. But I think the win streak. They, I know Notre Dame broke the win yeah. streak. But um, how, can you check how many games that win streak was? Yep. Uh, that was UCLA with Warden. I think it was like eighty-two or so. I think the yeah. We'll see. But um, I'm not sure how eighty-eight. I'm not sure. Mm. Wow, eighty-eight. <laughs> And the funny thing is he only got, well, I guess people don't get players that long anyway, but, you know, they freshmen didn't play back then, so right. Kareem couldn't play. Plus, they were changing the rules on Kareem, couldn't dunk. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, Walton, there's some good stories about Walton. I tell you, of all the coaches' books, the John Wooden, like, biography, or his personal books, The Pyramid of Success, it's really, like, you know, Walt, Walton's always talking his little sayings. Mm. Like, uh, hurry but don't rush, you know, that kind of stuff. And and they, apparently they spent the first three days every year learning to tie their shoes. Like, three days just learning to tie their shoes. I don't know. He did pretty well. He worked out. But make the case for some coach other than Coach K is the greatest coach in the history of the game. You, you can't. I mean, I think— So you think it's indisputable? I do. I think that, like, the body of work, like we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. the his body of work is greater than everybody's. Yeah, right? To me, what's most impressive is, he, like, Bobby Knight was a basketball genius, and then the game passed him by. Not necessarily X's and O's, but his ability to get along with players. I think, and this is a, a kind of a, a, a cross-sport thing, When I think when Mike Krzyzewski has really figured it out, and I think what he's figured out in this tournament specifically is you've got a guy in Paolo Bancaro who if you isolate one-on-one -on -one with someone, he's going to win. It's almost like a, okay, I just need to stop trying to overdo it and roll the ball out there and let my guys do this. When so, I was, so this is damning with faint praise. No, Coach no. K, Coach K figured out to stick, get his beak out I of so it. Is that, is, that just, not, is that not smart at a time? Well, if it was smart, why wasn't he doing it all year? Well, because he, he, it, that's sometimes what it coach, takes. No, think. that's not what I'm saying. When I, was at when I was in Austin, Mac Brown at one point said, okay, I'm gonna like Vince Young and him were butting heads over how things were gonna go, and finally he said, "Okay, Vince, you do it your way." And then suddenly Texas wins two Rose Bowls in a row because Mac Brown was smart enough to let let the game go the way his guys needed it to go. But but Vince Young was probably the most dominant college football player ever. I would have probably put a shadow on him in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> Red Dog. <laughs> All right. So here's the question, though. Is there any way you could give Coach K less credit? I just said I, he's got the best body of work of any coach I of know, all time. But, that, but what I'm saying is, in a micro sense, you never. When's the last? You're saying he got out of the way was his great. I think that sometimes that's the best thing you can. But what do. else has he done in the last five years that you think there is a genius? There's a genius. No, I don't. Guy. I don't think he's done anything genius in the last five years. I think he's a really good recruiter at this point in his career, and a lot of the, that's enough to take you a long way in this game. So I don't think John Calipari is some brilliant coach. I don't think like why, what. But here's my question. Why are always the coaches at like the Morgantown States and the Murray States? Why are they always the genius? You just said Bobby Knight's a genius. And I agree with that. He was mm -hmm. at Indiana and he was there. Well, but that's you been bring up a great, 30 years ago. You bring up a great point. I think it's because if you're the coach 
uh, of Vermont, you run this brilliant offense and this backdoor stuff, and it's slow developing, and that's counterproductive. If you've got the much better athletes, the last thing you want is a 26-second possession. Yeah, but the theory is you're, you're going to come out of – like this is an Allen Boston thing back in the day. He mm-hmm. would spend unlimited time seemingly, and I always try to listen to him because I think with college basketball handicapping, especially years ago, was – you know had some insights, right? I mean, Billy Walters was paying him for his college basketball. It's all you got to know is – he would spend about a third of his time, tournament time, talking about how bad Coach K was. So it's like, and then but telling about the Vermont or whoever. And you know what this is? Who's that goofy coach from Iowa? Or um, who's that coach that um, Brad used to like that was up for the high state job for like 30 seconds? That was like in the Big 12, maybe Iowa State. This mm. can't be that hard. He's like a really. You talking about Matt Campbell? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You talking about? I didn't know if you were talking about football or basketball. basketball. Huh? Uh, this is a Matt Campbell scenario. He wins six games, seven games. Oh my God! Can you believe seven wins? It's like okay, but when's he ever going to win something like beyond? I mean, Bill Snyder at Kansas State had them like literally one possession away from national championship game. Mangino took Kansas to, with one loss and won the Orange Bowl. Like, when's Matt Campbell going to, like, even make it? I, I mean, it's like there's certain guys that the, 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 the press loves. They, they, it's an underdog that probably has a wrinkled shirt or something. I, I, I just don't – I think – tell me another – look at Saban and Coach K are the only who is going through multiple eras like this meaning Bobby Knight had an undefeated team in 76 he had a good team like in 94 so they won it in 76 81 87 season on a brink the book was 87 they never played I don't even think he made another final four they had a hell of a team in like 94 got beat in the lead eight I remember and it's like literally Bobby Knight's career of dominance was from 75, let's say, to 90. It was 15 years. And after that, he was a, he was a Lubbock. I mean, think about it. He was fine. You know, they try to get two wins. You know, if they got to Sweet 16, it was a big deal. He got to, you know, he got to go up and talk a long time at the press conference. It's like Coach K is going to potentially win his last year, he's 70, what, four? And this game has changed twice in the last, what, 10 years with the transfer portal, portal yep. this year. And it's like, do you have any doubt if he was, let's say, had the next five years health-wise like he had the prior five? Meaning no one can predict that. Do you have any doubt that he'd be – would you put over under for any program in the country wins between in the next five years? Would you bet anyone over Duke? Gonzaga. All right, wins over top Say final 200 fours. teams. Yes. Final fours. Yeah. Uh, I mean, final fours, I wouldn't pick anyone. So what I'm saying is the guy's almost is 75, mm-hmm. and he's still the best coach or one of the best, if not the best, and he was back. He's the team that beat the greatest college basketball team of all time in 1991, UNLV. It's true. So it's like they were nine-point underdogs in that game, and it wasn't even in Vegas. They couldn't have the line back then mm-hmm. in Vegas. I mean, think about it. How many iterate he went took down Tartanian, and he's going to take down Jay Wright. <laughs> think <laughs> he, about that. And he had a bullseye on his back each and every tournament. He continued to you know succeed. 
And he, Dean Smith, he was button heads against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dean Smith sounds like like Red Grange or something. When yeah. was the last time? How, when did he retire? The nineties, late nineties. Not late. I know because he was in a Final Four in '97. There's uh, a site to check out. Google. <laughs> 1997, his last year. Really? Yeah. Now, what, what, let, let's take a gander. What, what was North Carolina's uh, tournament success the last couple of years of that uh, Final Fours in 97, 95, 93, 91. Wait, wait a second. Dean Smith made a Final Four in his final year? Yeah. I don't remember that. Do you, Fez? I, I wasn't into much into college basketball. So, no. Wow. I don't remember that at all. They made a Final Four in 97? 97, 95, 93, and 91. Well, I tell you, I, I, I'm I surprised. And, li- and listen, Dean Smith, you know, apparently Coach K calls Dean like like the to this day, well, I guess he died, right? Uh, Yeah, he's, he's dead now. <laughs> but, like, even, like, I don't know what it's been. It wasn't – it probably was a little longer than I thought. But they were saying, like, any time – that he, you know, Dean Smith would come to the uh, Final Four. Mm-hmm. That even when Coach K was like 55, 58, would still pick up his tickets for him and bring him to him and call and called him Coach Smith. A lot of respect for a rival, for sure. And and you know they say Bobby Knight not getting that because remember Bobby Knight was Coach K's mentor because he took the Army job out. Mm-hmm. It was like. That kind of, you know, Coach K saw that Bobby Knight thing burnt a little red, a little hot, and he went more towards Dean Smith later and learned from him, and and Knight didn't like that at all. But to me, the change, the game passed Bobby Knight by. Coach K has been the best. You could make the case that he was the best in the prior era, the best during the, um, you know, one-and-done era. And the bat, you know, would probably be the best in the new era. Like, who who else? I mean, Saban's the only other one, right? Yeah. And Belichick. Except, yeah. I, think- I mean, those are the guys that in their in their field, you say those are the home runs, best guys. No, you were saying how Coach K keeps his beak out of it when they do better. Like, what else does he do well except recruit? Now? Mm-hmm. Or ever. Every, everyone was talking about who's the better coach, Muscleman or Coach K, you know, and then <laughs> mm, Muscleman didn't make a lot of good, didn't press a lot of good buttons in that game. I mean, you talked to a lot of quote unquote sharps in college basketball, you know, professional batters that focus on bas- college basketball. Coach K doesn't get a lot of respect. No. Why do you think that is? I think it's because that they can understand the sets out of the timeout. Exactly. And Coach K is intelligent. You know, part of this is it's all recruiting. It's like if you run these sets, they're boring. You know, you don't, I don't want to come to Duke if that's the offense you're going to run. If you're going to run a Vermont offense, screw you. I'm going to North Carolina. I want happy action fun time. And I want well, to be And guys want to get to the NBA. You're not yes. going to get in the NBA when a coach says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to slow it down to a grind. We're going to run a lot of ball screens. Those guys are like, what? I'm not, I'm not here for that. I'm trying to get to the NBA. And Mike Krzyzewski adapted and said, okay, if, if this is what's going to get me the best guys, this is the way we're going to do it. Yeah. And I, th- I, I think there is a, a, a brilliance to it. And look what he did with the, with the uh, Olympic team. Hardest job in America. You can't uh, win. You can only lose. If you win, you're supposed to win. And the amazing thing is he – a lot of people got mad at him, like big time people. You were supposed to do one in one time in the Olympics was always the mm. tradition, right? Knight did it in '84. Remember, he cut Charles Barkley, didn't like his shape. 
Um, the round mound, the rebound was too round. And it's so funny because I can still remember out of that, like sport, that was the era of Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. You'd read about like Barkley was the guy that people said he, because of what Auburn, right? He was the guy that was the up and comer. And, and it's kind of interesting. Then he was on the dream team in 92, right? But MJ was on the, the 84 team. I'm almost Barkley hit a guy, right? And then he apologized. He said, next time I'll hit a, I'll hit a big guy instead of a medium-sized guy. Was that guy. it? In the Olympic tryouts? Yeah. No, oh. in the Olympics. Hit a guy from Japan oh, or something. Oh, wait. He didn't hit him. He wait, like, get, boxed him out. There was some kind of contact to the face. I don't know. Thanks for the anecdote. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you want anything? You, you want to retell that story? Not Is really. No. All right. I, I guess my point is he understood that once LeBron was his guy— they said that more times than you could imagine, he would have LeBron like text a kid and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going for this kid. We're close with, you know, whatever, North mm. Carolina. He'd text him and say, hey, I hope to see you playing at Duke, you know. And, I mean, how much did that help? And how much was that why Coach K wanted to coach this thing? That's a good point. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, you got Popovich as your assistant. You know, he was assistant. I mean, think about it. How did Coach K pull that off? <laughs> right? I mean, so the guy's got to be a political genius, like a backroom political genius. And isn't that, you know, is, is But that, that's a skill. That's a, a commendable it, skill. I think it is, but it's not the kind of skills you like. You hate the backroom deals. Uh, it's not my favorite. Exactly. And you're is. right. The guys who are really great X's and O's guys, those are the guys that people love. But typically the guys that win are the backroom guys and the best recruiters. And, and Mike Krzyzewski. And not Matt Campbell. And not Matt Campbell. So Duke has the best players. I have to ask you, how the heck did they almost lose, or were they losing to Michigan State, and how were they losing to Texas Tech, you know, fairly late in the second halves? Is that not some a point of concern? Well, no, because it's 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 a 40-minute game for a right? reason. But, but I do think the following, the fact that you were laying points against them and they won – is a sign that that probably wasn't smart. But that's what I got to get the answer to. What did you think the line should have been? I thought Tech should have been like a two-point favorite. <laughs> and part of it, I overreacted. I overreacted my eyes, the eye test. I watched the Michigan State game, and mm -hmm. it was the phoniest cover I'd, I'd ever seen. They, yes, Duke should have won. They had no business winning that game by nine. Sparty just completely spurt, sparted out in the final four minutes of that game. I think some of the referee calls maybe went Duke's way. Who, would, who could have foreseen that? I don't know. That's yeah. a, that was the amazing part is you were thinking, somehow can I get Tech in there laying points when you know Coach You're, you're ahead of this on the Davidson game. Anyone who missed it, RJ came out and talked about, hmm. This is going to be a very well refereed game. Uh, Duke, Michigan State's going to have you know pretty pretty good uh, ratings here. I think McKenzie disagreed, and then they wound up with like twelve million instead of three million, something like no, that. No, it was, it was it, me. It was him disagreeing. Not your he, best. He's going, he's going. Tech is a, a pedigreed. I don't. They made the Final Four last They're year. They're in Lubbock for God. <laughs> they don't even have floors there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who do you like in this game? I, I do think it's interesting. If you look at the final regular season game, it was at Duke, 10 and a half, three and a half point adjustment for home. You agreed with that, right, yep. AJ? Seven. So now Duke, net, net, North Carolina was upgraded three points more than Duke off for this run. What was the win for North Carolina? That, so, Baylor. Okay. They're up 25 against Baylor. Hell of a game. Lost their two best players, and that, and then they collapsed into overtime. Still were able to win. 
Without nice win, but they had an overtime win. Yes. Yes. What else? Murdered Marquette by a zillion. Mm. Murdered them. You're, they won by Marquette. 30. That was the first round, right? Yeah. It's an eight nine game. But I mean, how much can you upgrade each of these? Games? Marquette's the same as Michigan State, and they won okay, by so 30. upgrade a point. But how much Duke has to be upgraded? So let's say. And they beat UCLA. It's a good win. Yeah, it's a nice win. I guess what I'm saying is could it be three points more than Duke? Meaning Duke has to be upgraded, what, two points? For No. I think you're also not counting that. I mean, being Texas Tech has to upgrade you when you thought I, they were supposed to win. I agree, but I agree. Are, are we factoring in that North in Carolina Arkansas. beat Duke? Like, that's factored in since that game. That has to be factored into North Carolina's upgrade. And the, and the loss. Well, first off, AJ is making a very logical point. I want to I stop the show and combat him. <laughs> you're, no, I'm serious. Like, that's the kind of stuff we need more of. You're right. Thank you. Because it was a pregame line. Go ahead, though, Fess. I think that from the point after the North Carolina game, Duke's body of work, if I count the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament, I don't even know if I upgrade him. I think it pretty much Wait met expectations. Wait a minute. They got to the finals. North Carolina got beat on Friday. Well, we'll address North Carolina. Okay. But I'm just saying, you know, from a Duke perspective. No, uh, you lose one game to a super hot team, Virginia Tech. No, they're minus 130 to win the ACC tournament. And then hey, they lost. And they, and they got blown They lost out. to the same team two day, like one day apart. Virginia Tech beat North Carolina. Then the next day, Virginia Tech beat Duke. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to judge Duke harder than North Carolina. Fair, that's, you know, that's a good point, that those are comps. Another throw, good point from AJ. That is. Yeah. We could throw both those games out. You know, I look, I look, I look at Duke and I say, all right, they didn't cover the first game. It was a coin flip. Could have gone better. Te- let's look at this lineup: Michigan State, Texas Tech, and Arkansas. Texas Tech's the best of those. No, but those three oh. versus Saint Peter's. Forget Saint Peter's. <laughs> throw them. I, okay. I, I, Marquette. Marquette, Baylor, UCLA. I mean, I, I think at best you could say Comparable. that's even. It's yeah. even. It's even. So. I'm confused how North Carolina's getting because North Carolina won those games by 44 points, except they went to overtime with Baylor. Yes, right, but they had a. I mean, well, that's the point. You can't hold a lead. How bad are? I mean, well, they had guys get ejected in that game. They're idiot guys that was going for 40. I lean to North Carolina here. Lean. Yeah, and the the big question to me is, have you liked have you liked Duke's opponent every game? Fullerton I liked, Michigan State. Did you see how Fullerton covered? No, I didn't. So Duke goes up 19. There's six seconds left. The line's 18 and a half. And, like, literally, I know you hate this reference because you think no one gets it, but the Duke defense, like, parts like the Red Sea to let this Fullerton. It's a Bible reference. I think people get that. Oh, it's a Ten Commandments. They let this Fullerton dude just go straight to the basket and jam it in with one second left. It was the oddest end game I've ever seen. It looked like they Did I describe that right? Yes. I did not like Arkansas. I thought Duke would smash Arkansas. Why? After Arkansas dominates Gonzaga, your team? Yeah. All right, you got anything else in this one? The fact that North Carolina was, for whatever reason, they threw the switch up sometime mid-January. They're sixteen and three since then. If if you just if you look at their body of work, what, sixteen and three since when? Since like the end of January, it could be since February. So so well, let's look at. I mean, this shouldn't be a mystery. Their last nineteen <laughs> games, they're it's, sixteen it's and since, three since mid January twenty second. They're sixteen and three since then, and something big happened at, at that point. Dawson Garcia, who is probably going to be an NBA big, left the team. 
to go to he's got a sick grandma, a sick dad, so he he left the program. North Carolina. Yeah. And uh that put Brady Manick into the starting lineup. Brady Manick, who was kind of the sixth man, a transfer from Oklahoma, hadn't really found a role. And he went into that starting lineup, and since then they've been sixteen and three. So they won four games to get here. They lost in the one one in the tournament and lost. So 16 and 3, so minus 4, 12. So they were like 10, 10 and 2 when they went into Duke for that last yeah. game. Yeah. Why, how were they 10 and a half point underdog? Like, at what point did this streak start? Matt, did you have a big bet on North Carolina? I'm I not, did have a bet on North Carolina. Because they got yeah. smashed so bad in the first meeting. People they had the memory of them. Now, what's by interesting 20. is if you look at this, um, what's it called now? Shot quality. Shotquality.com is the name yep. of it. Oh, give that number. That's interesting. That the shot quality score, which is basically a, a breakdown of if this game, based on the shots that were taken you in the game, get, this you is better, what this. You better get this one. Like, let's try. Let's work. Let's workshop this. What the score should have been based on the shots that were taken by the, the players who took those shots. Yes. The, so, so just to reiterate, is they are using. Uh, tracking technology or what I'm not sure if they're breaking down the film. Do we know exactly how they're doing tracking technology? You're right. Okay. So they're saying what's the distance? What's the quality of this shooter? What you know the distance of the shot? What's the distance of the defender to the shooter and how good the shooter is? So if you think about it, if you if I said team made a bunch of threes, what was my question always? Was it the defense or was it the offense, right? Right. What was it, the quality of the threes? The quality of the shots. And this has the, their algorithm, and it's very uh, respected. So some threes might be worth 1.5 points. Or expectation. And yeah. some threes might be worth 0. 0.8 if mm-hmm. it's a bad thing. I agree. And at the end of every game, they look at it and say, what, was this is the expected score, This and this team's going to win this percentage of time, this team's going to win this percentage of time. After that 87-67 Duke win, shot quality said, this game is 50-50. The Duke will win 50% of the time. North Carolina will win 50% of the time. So, now that's interesting, right? And the analogy to this would be the completion expectation for NFL quarterback that yes. the next gen does. Exactly. So, from that perspective, I believe the second game they graded out as being roughly correct that Carolina was worthy of winning. It, it, Carolina wins 75% of the time. Duke wins 25% of the time. And I think the more interesting number is the margin. Yeah, it was four, 14, 0 and 14 were the margins. Yeah. So, meaning one game was a toss-up, the first game, second game was a had a, an easy win. So, perhaps the matchup, Carolina loves to run. Duke is, you know, Faster pace, but not as much. But maybe the fact that Duke is running with Carolina, that plays right into Car- what Carolina wants to do. The and it's, a, it's a good matchup for them. Well, what, one was of, the, what was the line in that Marquette game? Three. What did it open at? It didn't open that high, did it? One and a half, yeah, I think. Lower. Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. Uh, one of the things, North Carolina, what they do most of the season is is offensive rebound. And I think one of the reasons they've had success is in the two games against Duke they've sacrificed some offensive rebounding so they don't get burned in transition because if you let duke get out in transition they're going to they're going to roast you and north carolina said okay we can't prioritize getting these offensive rebounds the way we do against wake forest or whatever any, other team do you have team. any player props you like do you think someone's going to do particularly well or particularly not well uh, no and one of the the reasons why i say that is the in both games brady manick the guy i was talking about for north carolina has been kind of a team leader, really good offensive weapon, very bad defensive player. 
And in the two games, they've they've tried putting him on A.J. Griffin, who's Duke's wing slash shooter, and then they tried putting him on Paolo Bencaro, who's their their post guy. And Leaky Black, the other the the A grade defender for North Carolina, has been on the opposite both games. He's their only good defender, right? Uh, no, he's nope. their best defender. Yeah, I would say Brady Mannix, their only not good defender. Okay, uh, but. Leaky Black has basically wiped Leaky, out. Leaky Black. Leaky Black has wiped out whichever guy he was guarding in those games, and the guy that Manic was guarding had had a nice day. So who's so, Leaky Black going to guard this game? That's that's the question. Is dude like was one better than the other? I, and he guarded uh, Manic guarded Bancaro in the last game, and that's the game that they won. It makes me think that they're going to test their luck again with that. So if that's the case, I would probably like a Bancaro over. over. But he's also a, a big-name player, so he's probably going to have a, a inflated number next to him. So you were talking about one of the Duke guys who's really come on this tournament. Yeah, well, actually two of them. Uh, Wendell Moore is one, and really the, the secondary guys for Duke have stepped up. Wendell Moore is one, Jeremy Roach is the other, guys that I didn't – I, I didn't really like the way they were playing coming into the season or coming into the, the tournament, and both of them have been playing way over what they were playing late in the regular season. They've really put it together in this tournament. So it's Leaky Black. Leaky Black. So what you're telling me? We weak? What about Peacock? Peacock went and had out with some Dominicans. What about Shorty Boy? Shorty Boy went and cleaned his old Aka. What about Eggy Mule? Eggy locked up, caught a nickel with the fast for a pistol. Leaky Black. What about Leaky Black? <laughs> Leaky, Black Leaky, been... Leaky Black's going to be on A.J. Griffin like <laughs> white on rice. Uh, all right. I think we, other than our best bets, I think we postpone everything else. Is there anything, I mean, we can, overtime we can do next week. I mean, what can't we do next week? Listen, it's it's our but schedule. We've got to give our best bets. I think that's something that we've got to get into. That's what's important. That's what everyone sat through all your crap for, AJ. I'm sorry. No, I'm joking. You you shine today. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. All right, NFL season wins. He's just dropped at DraftKings. I'm going with the Jack. So dropped, you mean they opened. They've been released. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville Jaguars under six and a half wins minus a dollar twenty. Let me pull back the curtain how I got there, if mm-hmm. I will. This is strong. So season wins, we talked about it before that there's a little bit of a bias. Always numbers are a little bit too high. If you average all every team, eight point four five is what the number should be. Seventeen games, chance for a tie so, every okay, year. Okay, yeah, yeah. The, so the, 17 is getting 8.5, a little bit down. Okay. Right. So, but eight point five five is the actual average. So I want to look unders. Now, specifically this year, I want to look AFC unders because the AFC teams all play nine road games. Just to be clear, you added up these current openers. Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. Um, Further, I took a look at it. So I started looking at AFC teams that I might want to fade. You know, Jacksonville actually only gets seven true home games because they play one in London. Now, that's not a disadvantage in itself. Why not? Because their home field in Jacksonville is actually, I think, almost as good as in London. It's almost as good mm-hmm. as in Jacksonville, but still more travel. So there's still, you know, a net negative. Person the next week where they got to have a buy then. Exactly right. So further, I just, I tested, I had my numbers for every team. And this Jacksonville, I had as a five to five and a half win team. And it was six and a half. And I was like, okay, 
Maybe there's something in their schedule. They must have something easier than I, than I expect in their schedule. Well, the opposite turned out to be true. When I went through the 17 games Jacksonville has to play. And just to be clear, now we know who they're going to play. We don't know the order they're going to play. That's right. I only project them to be favored once all year long. There is no way a six-and-a-half win team can only be favored once over the course of a season value to the under. All right, so let's let's go deeper on this because I we, we did a little work, but once you gave the pick, I was like, let's look at it a couple different ways. So to lose, well, really, it's either you're going to win seven games or more or you cash six-and-a-half, right? right? So what is the – give me the seven teams that they would be the shortest lines they would have. Okay. Meaning, so, in theory, if they win all these games, these are the most likely seven wins. Okay. They're going to be a three-point favorite. These are my numbers. Yeah, but just give me the teams. Home against Houston. All right. I get it. On the road against Houston. Okay. Uh, on the road at the Jets. Now remember, they were 0-2 last year, but go ahead. <laughs> on the road against the Jets. At Detroit. Okay. So, that's interesting. So, two – other than Houston, the two weakest teams they play, they're on the road for both of those. That's a big disadvantage. It is because these are this could well make the difference, right? What difference does it make if they play Kansas City at home or on the road? And it brings up lose. another point, and we talked about this before. If if you, if the choice is being a three point favorite or a three point dog, but it's a little less now, but that's the biggest swing in win percentage that any home field advantage could be yes right so that's interesting that both of those are about even teams okay go ahead okay but maybe they win all four of those they're at four wins uh giants at home against the giants plus two and that's that's only their fifth win that would be the fifth one okay uh then we go to a home game against indy these are all equal indy no 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 we had the eagles right oh i'm sorry uh, no, because they're on the road against the Eagles, so I project that as a seven-point underdog. Okay, and what do you have as the being at home against the Colts? and? I have uh, being home against the Colts, Tennessee, and Las Vegas all being plus four. So you think the Colts and, t- the, Colts and the Raiders are equal teams? Yes. That's not true. Really? No. Colts are much better. Win totals say Colts and Titans nine and a half, Raiders eight and a half. Well, because the Raiders— Well, I guess division well, matters. yeah. But so I would say division's tougher for the Raiders, so they're depressed a little bit. But boy, Fez, maybe a little bit better. Yeah. yeah, I might be off. I might be off by half a point then. Mm. Maybe half to one. So yeah, I can I can accept that. You're, you're Colts right. Colts on a neutral Probably against the mi- Raiders. Maybe I, minus I would one I, and a half. Mm. Maybe one. Okay. Right. Maybe I agree with you. I, I would. Agree. Yeah, I'd probably say two and a half. I mean, Raiders were a playoff really? team last year. They were very lucky to be a playoff. But they the added Devontae Adams. Yeah. But they're better now. Probably. I think they're better. I think they're better a smidge. Mm. And, and and I think this was a— And they, you think the Colts probably upgrade from Matt Ryan or with a, oh, from Wentz sure. to Matt Ryan? You know, the fact that the Raiders are eight and a half in that division, what a division. I, well, first of all, I think that's a, a, a crazy high number. Remember, mm. entering last year, they were five and a half in some spots, weren't they? Or, I, or was, was six seven. And a half? Seven. Remember, there was a half pool. It was game. seven to seven and a half. Remember, it kept fluctuating. And it was the weirdest thing that normally, like. You That's get- seven and ten, too. I mean, think about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. But not to get off track. So what you're saying is they would have to beat Houston twice. Yes. The Jets on the road. Yes. The Li- I mean, now they're winning three road games at this point. <laughs> yes. Right? The Lions on the road. Mm-hmm. The Giants, they have to beat. That gets them to five. Now they've got to beat 
the uh, Raiders gets him to six? Yes. And then you still think it would be like the t- Titans, I think, are a little below. The Titans at home would be the seventh win. Yep, they win those seven. That means you can't over. lose one of the other games. No. Now, we did it another way. We said, okay, let's. Faz has his lines on these games. Let's throw the money line converted to win percentage. So, for example, right now, uh, if we look at Houston, it was a 59% chance when Jacksonville was at home, 49% when they're on the road, 49 at the Jets, 49 against Detroit. So, you know, being a small underdog in those games, you add it up. These are fractional wins. McKenzie was a driver or did a good job on this. What was our fractional win total, McKenzie? 5.7 wins. Okay. So that is, what, 0.8 wins below the number? I'm not sure how this could be a bad pick. I mean, play devil's advocate. I'm not going to. I mean, I listen, Peterson gets a lot of respect. They spent some real money in free agency. The theory is uh, overpaid, but okay. Mm-hmm. The theory is Urban Meyer uh, was such a disaster. It might be that whole effect, like with the Jets coach. It was like, you know, before he's so bad. What was his name? I forget now. The Doug Marone. Guy? Huh? The guy before uh, the Miami coach coached the Jets, Gase, yes. Adam Gase. Yes, I always uh, think Rich Cotite. I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. Adam Gase effect is kind of what they're thinking. Maybe the Urban Meyer, but has. even after he left, they were terrible at the end of the year. Listen, here's the amazing thing about Trevor Lawrence: he threw a touchdown the last drive of the last <laughs> game. I don't think – McKenzie, take a gander. I, I think he went 10 games without a touchdown. It was some crazy number. And it was the last drive of the last game, and they were down by, like, 21. They wanted that touchdown so bad. bad. Uh, what I just, do you think of this pick? I, I love it. I totally oh, co-signed. wait, this yeah. was yours. No, this was this – was, well, it was going to be mine, but yeah. Fez had it before me. So uh, I looked at you, – you said them winning the three road games. They were 0-8 on the road last year. Their average margin on the road was minus 18. So they got a long way to go. He likes to uh, Trevor Lawrence, the savior, ah, likes the confines. You know, a great way to look at this is that who do they play in London? I, I, it, it was, we don't know yet. Okay. okay. They, we just know they're going to play one of the games in London. But we so know we the know. home away. When did that come out? That's, um, you know, I'm not certain. It's been a while. Really? Mm-hmm. That's weird. I remember seeing it in early January for the 49ers. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, McKenzie just threw up these this game by game. This is pretty amazing. So this is the number one pick in the draft. He has one touchdown pass on Halloween. That's October 31st. Has a th- one touchdown pass. The next game, zero. The next game, zero. The game after that, zero. Then against the Falcons, one. Zero. Zero, zero, zero. One touchdown pass in eight games, starting on Halloween. Now there's two games left in the season. The Patriots are beating him 50 to three. And in the last drive, he gets a touchdown. I think Mahomes and 50 to three. And Josh Allen both threw two in one quarter, right? One quarter in five minutes. minutes. And then. In, in amazing who can figure it out, 
w- w- it's been 2014 or something since Indianapolis won in Jacksonville, but he had two in that game. So he's hot. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming and, in and off so, a great game. So think about this. What is Doug Peterson known for? Advanced anal- analytics, um, Staley style. Go for it on fourth down. Does this seem like a good fit to have? You know, Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback. Listen, if you believe he's a problem, he's a problem. Like in a way, I like that the role. If, if you're rolling, the, if you're up Shit's Creek, if he's bad, I'd rather roll the dice and hope he's good. Well, would you, if you had to say, I think. Right. Don't you, I'm sorry, real quick. Don't you agree with that? Like, if you're super conservative and he's not real good, you're in trouble anyway. Well, I'm convinced they're in trouble anyway, so I'd rather okay. punt, frankly. Like if he's Jared Goff. And I'm the guy that well, always says, off, go for it. Let's be straight about Jared Goff. Jared Goff got him to a Super Bowl. You're, you're saying, is that like a really bad scenario? No, I'm saying if, like, Jared Goff is not a guy that you, like, He's a you safe guy. Game He's a safe guy. Yeah, but I think the thing you do if you look at those stats, just because that's now getting rewritten, the league caught up to him. There was a whole thing about waiting to the 15-second mark and then making him because he was in his uh, ear, yeah, I read that. You know, So I don't know. But, but what I'm saying is Trevor Lawrence was the most credentialed recruit since Andrew Luck. Uh-oh. Now, Andrew Luck, you know what's funny? I've been hearing more people critical of him in the last, like, month. I swear to – have you heard any of this? I haven't heard any. Mackenzie, have you heard it? I've heard there is, it. There's, a, there's a murmur. There's, there's a little a bit of a reconsideration going on. Going on. I mean, it, it, I was just hearing someone busting on a – you know who it was? It was that NBA podcast we were talking about, that Illuminati or whatever it's called, is it was something where they were saying about Andrew Luck quit, and it was like nine ga- nine days before the start of the season. Go ahead. The thing I heard about it was the commanders, before they traded for Carson Wentz, were co- contemplating trying to lure Andrew Luck out of retirement. Well, yeah, you know, if you're going to play anywhere, it's going to be for Dan Gilbert. Yeah, that's what everybody's looking to do. I wonder how many times the Col- and the Colts ended up. You know, the funny thing about all that was they ended up they could have clawed back like twenty five million in, in signing bonus and yeah. stuff. Dan Snyder, right? Not Dan Gilbert. Oh, did I say? Yeah, well, yeah. either way, you don't, you don't want to play, play for either Gilbert. one. Yeah. All right. But Andrew Luck playing for Dan Gilbert would have been a real disaster. So, Fez, you got it covered every which way. If you look at what is the games they'd have to win, it doesn't seem reasonable. And, I wanted to ask you, do you like if you had to take a yes no bet? Will Trevor Lawrence be better this year than last year? Yes, for sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's our our bet of the year. Yeah, okay. Because, because I mean, if he isn't, he's one of the biggest. Right, I mean, yeah, yeah. Mackenzie might win that bet if he isn't. <laughs> Plus three fifty. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting. But I still feel good about my bet. So the bet was, you know, I've been as anti-Trevor Lawrence from back at Clemson. I just don't like the, pre, you know, the flowing hair. And then when I heard he didn't, you know, the football stuff. Spend like, Sunday how, with the girlfriend instead of watching the NFL. Yeah. yeah. All right. But, but, but make sure you pay me 80 mil or whatever. Right. So here was the interesting thing, though. PFF talks a lot about draft capital and that the more a team spends on a player, the more they're going to give him every chance to succeed because one, he has the pet, you know, physical tools in theory, but number two, it looks bad. If your guy doesn't succeed, it's embarrassing. Yeah. You picked that guy. Exactly. So to me, look at this. The coach gets run out of town because Trevor Lawrence ain't doing good. Then they went and got probably the best offensive coach, at least the most proven. How many Super Bowl winners are waiting there? Yeah. Young year off, or what was it? Two, two years, years off. off. 
No. So you just have one? Yeah. Yeah, because... Uh, Nick Sirianni just had yeah, the one Sirianni. year. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So one year off, gets a chance. I think he went to that same boot camp the Dallas coach went to, learning Ooh, about... McCarthy, Ill. yeah. Yeah, no, I'm joking. But to me... Everyone, this is a restart. Is anyone going to blame, except me, going to blame Trevor Lawrence for last year, right now? Like, no, if, that's no. That was that's Urban Meyer. Urban, Urban Meyer's in a built-in excuse for him. So yeah. to me, the bet was McKenzie in the entering the fourth year of. So it's still the rookie contract. The fourth year, of Trevor Lawrence will he be the projected starter for a, a team? Doesn't have to be Jacksonville. A team. Um. Yep, so not next year, but the year after, he'd have to be a bench player for me to win my 3500 Well, Baker Mayfield was the starter last year. Exactly. So my thinking was there's no scenario. I mean, if Baker Mayfield could start four years, yeah. Well, I, they had a good third year. So the fourth year is the year in question. So it's like this year is year two, next year, and then the year after. You got that. a winner there. Now, I lay, I, what would you lay there? I would have laid minus eight hundred. Remember, remember, if he gets injured, no bat. It's not like a catastrophic injury. Or I would have it's, laid. It's a benching. I'm with you. I would have laid minus eight hundred, but now it it doesn't get much worse than this past year. You, I mean, you just showed the stats. Sam, listen, Sam Darnold got a fourth year, and he wasn't even the number one pick. You just showed me one touchdown in eight games. No, 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 no. He is better than Sam Darnold. Minus could two, ever dream minus two eighty right now. Minus two eighty. Well, you want to book? You want to sure. book? Sure. Minus two eighty. Yeah. Mackenzie might want to hedge out. You could, you could, you could get a, a an arbitrage error. Well, you remember part of my rationale was I wanted to lock in four years of employment at pregame.com to collect on the back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you you're don't gonna... need to worry about that, buddy. <laughs> so you should hedge out. What do you think? Sam Bradford started in his fourth year. Oh, Bradford's fifty times better than 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 um, Sam Darnold. Bradford got hurt. I don't think you realize how bad. Remember, they what was it? The, the the Vikings traded for Bradford right before Cousins, like right before the season mm -hmm. started. They would they give Philly a bunch of picks? Yeah, I think they gave him a number one. No O line. They got him killed. I gotta tell you something. I don't think anyone realizes how bad Sam Darnold has been. Mm. I mean, like. SIS, Sports Information Systems, which is kind of like a PFF, but it's more B2B, they actually ranked the 85 quarterbacks. They went three, like three deep in almost every team. So there were 85 quarterbacks a uh, year before. It was the end of his third year in, at, with the Jets. He was ranked statistically as the 85th best quarterback. He was the wor he was worse than any first, second, or third stringer. Huh, I'm league. confident Colin Coward does not subscribe to that well, service. You know what's funny though? Colin finally got off, but now he's saying Dak and 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 Carson Wentz are, are coin flip. Oof. I think that might be one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Carson Wentz who just got run out of town for Matt Ryan. The last quarterback taken number one overall who was not a starter Russell. in their fourth year, Jamarcus Russell. Ooh. Even Tim Couch was the starter in his fourth year. All right, maybe my – No, yeah, listen, you gave, uh. me a week, you gave me a week. <laughs> yeah. You gave me a week to think about All how right. much I want to play. Now, you got an appetite, right? Of course. I mean, you know – 
Uh, yeah. Hey, you showed me the stats, brother. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I guess what I'm saying is you have an appetite for, for booking a nice number if I want to say, you know, get that minus 280, right? Absolutely. You don't like that number, do you really? I think it's a good number. What he you, was historically what do you like, AJ? Bad. I think Trevor Lawrence is, is going to be a starter at least through year four. Thanks. What would you lay? I I, I would probably lay. Uh, 280 sounds very fair to me. Really? Wait a minute. Now you're just copying. <laughs> I mean, I, you guys know well, that better than I do. But it, say minus 280. Yeah, me, it, I made it minus 280 all I don't make these numbers. I'm just telling you it sounds fair. <laughs> what did Fez say? Listen, I just got one thing to say, then we'll go to AJ's pick. My name is Casper. Trevor Lawrence doesn't have that sound. Not minus 250, not minus 325. (laughs) All I said, I don't make these numbers like you guys do. I just said that number sounds fair to me. It's funny. Every time Fesh screams... He he gets as close as he can. He's more in the mic than any time ever. It's almost so bad that people are like playing drinking games and they get to do a shot when Fez screams into the mic. It's like, let me get this mic. Your best bet, AJ. My best bet is the Cincinnati Bengals under 10 wins. The Bengals won 10 games last year playing a last-place schedule. So they trade out the Jets and the Jags in those spots for the Titans and the Chiefs. And I think their division overall is going to be better. I think a, a healthy Ravens team is going to be much better you think than they were. Be better. I, I I assume they will be healthy. If they are healthy, I know they will be better than they were last year. Okay. And depending on the Watson punishment, I think the Browns could be better too. Think. Well, what's the win total for the Browns this year? Versus- Ten. And what was it last year? Wasn't that good? I, I it might have been ten. Uh, I think it was. Well, we don't know the sequence of games, right? So the theory right. is Watson gets suspended early? Yes, you four assume. Games. Four games is kind of the consensus of what I've been, I've been hearing. I've been hearing eight to ten. Five, four games four. is the minimum is what I've heard. Hmm. I think the, um, the she does an excellent job. Um, the Cleveland Plains Dealers? Cleveland Plain Dealer, yeah. Mary Kay Cabot in the Mary mix. Mary Kay Cabot, yes. I think she, I heard her say, maybe she said a minimum of four. Okay. And then the Bengals, the game, the games against Cleveland and Baltimore. One of those two games, they got they went up against a backup quarterback last year. They have worked on their offensive line, which was clearly a need for them, but that's not going to gel right away. I, I think mm. that there could be issues in year one with that. Year one? Come on. Versus how, how, long term. How was Kansas City's line with all the transition? How was the Browns when they redid their line a couple years ago? How was um, the Chargers this year? Seems like this, I, I, I think that three, three or four games, you can say, the co- cohesion's an issue. I think in the modern era, or last five years, these rebuilt lines have really done well. But you, but you did pregame research mm-hmm. that showed... Four I bo- games. I, I was looking at four games is what interested me. I think what were you looking at starters though that if you if you replace yeah, three yeah, or more we starters looking, yeah. that, that that's all, that's like the critical mass where it, it it creates all kinds of problems for a but, team. But again, it was early. Now it, it, it ended up being early. like point seven games. So right, oh, in twenty one, you're saying it was ten and a half flat. Really, the Browns. Wow. Okay. Um, oh, because they beat Pittsburgh in the playoff game, and everyone got all excited. Yeah, yeah. And they almost beat Kansas City. And Baker came off a good year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, to me, I think it was like 0.7 wins below expectation if it yes. was a big turnover. 
But then if we looked at the ATS and it seemed to be weighted early in the year, and, mm. and what I now I now know now again to some degree you could say the Chargers underperformed, right? Now the the Browns redid their line before last season. Or, 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 or two seasons ago. Yeah, when they made the playoffs in 20, I guess it would be. So uh, they did well there. You know, I don't know. I, I think it's a fair thing to say it's going to look better than maybe it's going to be initially. But I think for the season, uh, but go ahead. And also, I think you got a full season of Joe Burrow being healthy, which I, I think that he is probably on the mm. high end Good of point. more likely mm. to get injured quarterbacks. But that's going to be driven a lot by the line. By the line, sure. And then of the last 10 teams to lose in the Super Bowl, only one has won more games the next season than their Super Bowl year. That was the 2013 Niners. You did a little research. They went 12-4 and four a year after going 11-4-1. The other nine Super Bowl losers over that stretch have dropped more than three games per season on average from their Super Bowl so year. So they dropped 27 games. 29 total. But I'm, I'm going to come over the top and say that's meaningless because most teams okay. that make the Super Bowl win 13 games. So, like, as an example, oh, that's interesting. What when the, the Falcons – like when the Falcons, sorry to interrupt. Like, no, remember when the Falcons lost with the twenty-eight to three game? Mm-hmm. The next year, they only won ten games. They won a lot fewer games, but they still went over their season win number. That's a, it's a great point. I'm not sure. I know, for example, Carolina had fifteen wins. So, uh, oh, AJ's got the data. It's just he's got it in an old notebook. I'm having I'm having a flashback to like the Bengals' first Super Bowl, where they you know with Kenny Anderson like, and then they came back. And that was the strike year, and they went seven and two. But I think he, how many? You only went back ten years, right? I went back ten years, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Kansas City last year went from fourteen and two to twelve and five. Obviously, right. an extra game. Uh, the year before that, Niners went from thirteen and three to six and ten. The Rams went from thirteen and three to nine and seven. Uh, the Patriots went from thirteen and three to eleven and five. Falcons from eleven and five to ten and six. Carolina went from 15 and 1 to 6 and 10. Seahawks 12 and 4 to 10 and 6. Denver 13 and 3 to 12 and 4. San Francisco the exception that I mentioned and then New England went from 13 and 3 to 12 and 4. Okay, so it seems like about half the games are what you're talking about. Typically if a team makes the Super Bowl, they got somewhat lucky the year before that year. Um the next year, all things equal, even if the team stayed exactly if, – even if they replayed the year in a time machine somehow, you would expect them to win one last game. But some, Oh, I think two and a half less. Most of these teams nah. are going 12 and four, and they're all getting lined to 10. Should, 12 and four, 13 and three. I, I don't know. I, I don't – I mean, what's, what's the Rams being lined this year? I mean, like, I, I think good – That's a good example. So the Rams are 10 and a half? Eleven and a half. Oh, they're left. No, they're no. You're right. You're right. They're ten and a half. I looked at it wrong. So ten and a half, and how many games did they win? Won thirteen in the regular season. The Rams did. Yeah, they were the fourth seed with thirteen. Thirteen and four. Still, thirteen and four was the fourth seed. And the Bengals are lined at ten wins. They won ten, but they did win only ten last year. They won ten. No, I think you're making a great twelve and five. Actually, my mistake. Oh. Everyone seems so sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Packers and Bucks won thirteen. Cowboys and Rams won twelve. Okay, so in this year they're ten and a half. Yep. Okay, I think you're making a good point. I, I think it's interesting. Is one way to look at it would be what's the average number of wins the year after the Super Bowl. The other is what the net fall is. But you think some the only one team exceeded? Yeah, and, who and was they that? exceeded by a half game. Who was that? 
the San Francisco 49ers 2013. They went from 11-4-1 to 12-4. Okay. So but it looks t- about 50-50 in terms of, you know, season win over-unders. Just eyeballing it. Yeah, but the ones that went under went under. You know, and this, and I think if you went back further, I think that the the Super Bowl loser like there had is a done Super Bowl they've lo- done lousy over like I think if you went twenty years, what you're saying would be would be strong. That if you faded the Super Bowl loser, I think you made money on the season wins. I don't like this pick. One, I think there's got to be. There, it feels like such a narrative of the Bengals got lucky. But if we want to take North Carolina and say, oh, let's start on January 22nd or whatever, let's be candid. The Bengals played, has there been, if you take the most impressive streak of any team during any five or six week stretch, regular season, postseason, let's say the Rams are number one because they were impressive beating Tampa, you know, mostly fairly easily to the very end, right? And... I accept all that. They beat Arizona handily. Got you know lucky against San Fran. I don't even know. I I would make the case that Cincinnati's run from when they beat Baltimore really badly, and then they beat KC. That run is as the most impressive run of any team at any point in the season last year. I would have agreed with you, but the Tennessee five game winning streak was more impressive. What was that streak? They beat Kansas City. They beat. They won at the Rams. Mm-hmm. They beat five playoff teams in a row. All right. So the second most impressive. Yes. When that ends the year, when you have a second year quarterback, which is the year of growth, and then you make, and especially when he missed half the first season, mm-hmm. right? he was just entering like at that point his seventeenth, eighteenth game, right? Because eight or whatever the year before. So go ahead. How about water? But the whole idea of water finds its level. You still have Taylor as the head coach. Well, first off, let's stop. I think we got to reconsider Taylor. I agree. So he's not a bottom coach. Mm -hmm. We can't make him a top 10 just because. But what I'm saying is he, we got the old mentality, how bad Taylor is. I don't think that's true. And plus at DC, I heard some X's and O's guys really say what they were doing with the Rams defensively was really next level. And the adjustments they were making at halftime, that D was way better in, in the playoffs in the second half. So my question would be the two coin flip games that the Bengals won in the playoffs against the Titans and the Chiefs. If they lose one of those games, What's their win total then? It's an excellent. It can't point. be lower than this. It is lower. It's not. If the if the Bengals lose in the second round of the playoffs instead of the Super Bowl, you still think they're ten? But we don't think we've learned anything from those games. I mean, the the fact they won that game, luckily, let's call it, or coin flip, means they had a chance to listen. How, how many teams in the NFL have a win like that Kansas City win? Meaning, mm. one, you beat them twice. When you play them mm. two times, you beat them twice. That's one thing. Number two, how many teams have come down? What was it at halftime of that game? 21? It was going to be 24, right? It was right? 14? Was it 24-10? I'm, I'm not sure. In, this, in the, the playoff no, game? Yeah. It was 21-10. to 10. Jeez. Yes. 21-10? Okay. Yeah, it was going to be 18 if they scored. You're right. Yeah. yeah 14 they, if they would have yeah, kicked. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, it would have been 24 or 28, right? And, and remember, at that point, Kansas City was only on their fourth possession. Touchdown. 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 Touchdown inside the five. It was like the perfect game. It was like what Buffalo did in that dream game against the Patriots, or they did it like seven straight possession. All right. So here's my question How many teams in the last 20 years in the playoffs with the Super Bowl on the line 
have had a comeback like that. It's like Tom Brady's comeback against Atlanta's another level. Kansas City. Yeah, except they're, they were ten point game. favorites in that game. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, there was it was like Joe Burrow. What was the narrative there right before half? It was like blowout city, same old Bengals, and somehow nice little story. Yeah, I mean, I gotta tell you, something. I don't think you can just dis. I, I agree, they could have lost some of those games. They wouldn't have had a chance. But it's almost like a team that didn't just made the tournament. You know, like what was that team? Was that UCLA last year that was in the barely play? made the yes. tournament, made it to the final four? They're in eleven. I mean, do we dismiss all those games because they barely got in? That was a coin flip in a way. Yeah, you bring up an excellent point because you could say, well, they could have UCLA could have lost in overtime in the first round last year, and then they wouldn't have had this this sky high power rating. You're like, yeah, but they did play those games and, and they played and, well. and they played very well. You can't discount them, you even can, though you you could make the case UCLA should have been massively undervalued this year if they hadn't won the first round game last year. But we seem to be very willing to to poo poo what the Raiders did at the end of last season. Except, all, first of all, the Raiders had zero playoff wins, and they won coin flip game or even more overtime, whatever, against not very good teams with the Chargers win being the one exception. I mean, well, you know, I don't remember. It was exactly. Chargers, Colts, Browns, and Broncos were the wins, the four straight wins. Oh, so the, but the Browns were was against the third string quarterback, right? That was the Nick Mullins game. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, Colts got beat the next week by the, the, the Jacksonville Jaguar. Whatever was going with Carson Wentz was a that problem. Wasn't, you know, that's, that's an excellent point because the Colts were playing as well as, as any team. And then with like three weeks left, they started to stink. And in and, and retrospect, maybe there was some internal stuff about. It's you know, weird how they, I mean, apparently the owner said he cannot quarterback here. Yeah. Ursay. So I even though we gave up a first for him. Yeah, and a third. Get him out. So so to me, I think the following. If you look at, if you say this team made it to the Super Bowl, they had a second year quarterback that came in. Imagine Trevor Lawrence playing like that at the end of this upcoming season. And and then you say that they have good signings on the O-line by all accounts, all pretty accounts. good signings. Fixed their problem. Now they got to do the defensive. No secondary. signings in the secondary. That's next. We'll see. You Spend know, we'll, some money. We'll see. But the defense wasn't really the problem, was it? And the, I mean, and then you think they dominate Baltimore. They dominate Pittsburgh. Uh, crushed them twice. Crushed them twice. I mean, I don't know, man. But, I, but Baltimore and Cleveland are both going to be a lot better this year. No, I believe it. But what I'm saying, well, first of all, Cleveland's going to be worse is the expectation, apparently. Or, worse than the expectation of last year, mm -hmm. but better than the actual performance of last year. Yes. Yeah, but remember Pittsburgh. I mean, Cleveland was like favored by like two and a half at Pittsburgh, like week twelve. And remember, they dominated Baltimore with Josh Johnson playing quarterback. No, well, it was a year. There was a game before that, right? I mean, they they dominated them twice. They they blew up Pittsburgh twice, and they blew up Baltimore twice. Yeah, they were, none of them were close. I mean, it was like they, it was a game he threw for. Oh, you're right. Forty-one seventeen was the first game. So I mean, to me, it feels like you're Green Bay under. Mm. A couple years ago, they had 13 wins. Regression. And you were like, hey, it was after the first year, right? The first 13 wins. And it, what was the win total? Like eight and a nine. half? It yeah, was and nine. it dropped eight and a half. There were he said nine. under nine, no matter what. And I'm like, Fez, I agree with you directionally, but that regression is like, you know. Super Where the hell is it? Where is it in the number? Yeah. If this line was, I mean, how, so who's who's got more than a 10 right now in the AFC? 
in the AFC higher than ten. That well, Chiefs. Yeah, the the Buffalo. Chiefs go and Bills. Buffalo. That's it. That's, That's it. it. All right, and who's at ten? Browns, Denver. Chargers, Denver, Cincy. Browns, and Baltimore is nine and a half. Titans, Colts, nine and a half. Stacked, man. And and look at these Bengals field games: Kansas City at Tennessee at Dallas. Okay, I don't like the over. I don't love the under. What do you think? I go under. I like under. You like it? I bet. I think they win nine or ten games. I think you push or you win. So nine Winning and 11 eight. games is hard. When well, you play th- 11 and, and 6. Yeah, when you play in the AFC, the AFC is so low. You know, they they would have won 11 games last year if they would have played in the final week. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, it's very true. Yeah. So, I they mean, had nine home games last year. Now they got eight. Come on. Come on. But, I mean, trading out. One, say one and a half, it's one and a half points each way. It's three-point swing for one game. But yeah. trading out the Jags and Jets on your schedule for the Chiefs and Titans. No, listen, I hear you. It's just, I. this feels like, and what's the, the VIG on this? Minus 120. Where? Under. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm neutral. All right. Anything else? That's it. All right, my pick. Oh, by the way, we got Mr. Dave Astler. He has Duke. In the final four, I now listen. I got to be honest. I love Diamond Dave. I've made a lot of money following Diamond Dave. As many winners as anyone. He put me on Chicago. Mackenzie's so high. He doesn't know when to bring it up. He doesn't. He's just. He's a giddy. He brings it up every day when you're not here. You're kidding me. I haven't brought it up one time <laughs> no, to you not. ever at all. You know what's what, what funny? You know what's funny? I would have bet any amount of money you brought up at least once to him. I've never heard him bring it up for real. Uh, then I give you credit for that. Um, it was a bet. What, what's it been, three weeks ago? Yeah. And what, he's, he knows the exact date. <laughs> it was uh, Diamond Dave Asler had the Bulls to win the division over Milwaukee. Oh. And I'm thinking, I don't know if they want the number one seed. I know the Bulls want to win. They got injured. The Bulls got Yeah, but still, it was like the day I bet it. It just went south. And I don't think Milwaukee's lost a game since. Milwaukee's going to win 51, and the Bulls are going to win probably 46. Yeah. he. um, And again, listen, I I can lose this one and give McKenzie a little joy. I mean, I'm going to listen back to the tape and make sure it was all official. but, Mm. (laughs) But I will say this. Even with that loss, I made a lot of money on him. But, boy, I didn't like that game. Let's listen to his analysis against A.J. Hoffman. I love and I bet Duke minus four over North Carolina this weekend. And when this tournament started, I didn't put much weight into Duke playing balls out for Coach K. And now I think it's a very real thing. It started when they came back late to beat Michigan State, and it just hasn't ended. Uh, the Heels, they were a number eight seed for a reason. You know, Prior to ACC play, the Heels lost to Purdue, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Kentucky's a team that Duke beat. They also beat Gonzaga. Now fast forward to the ACC season, and a more apples-to-apples comparison, it was Duke that was number one in both offensive and defensive efficiency. I think too much is being made of the Heels winning at Duke in the season finale. I think not enough is being made of Duke just being the better team and favored for a reason. So I bet Duke minus four. Okay, AJ, it's time to nut up. You want to bat me or you want to? No, I want. I told you, I lean North Carolina. All right, lean. 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 Let's do my best bet. And then we got a final four bet. You said it as we were listening to the Astler stuff. 
I love what you just gave. But first, my pick. I don't think you know my pick. Oh, you might have heard on the SOV today, 6 Eastern. I did. Dallas Cowboys. This is an Aline under. T- is it 10 and a half? 10.5. I mean, Fez. Minus wrong? 115. But yeah. yeah, What's wrong with his number? Who's catching passes for Dallas this year? Gallup? I mean. Not the first few games. <laughs> I mean, listen, mm. let, let's be – they got they, – they gave up one of their – and this is what people don't realize. That third receiver is one of the best differentiators there can be because how many teams have a third corner that can cover? Yeah. Right? Remember, I that was something – let's be candid. I taught you when A.B. went to Tampa. I said, little Scotty Miller. I, but I said, who's covering A.B.? The, the, yeah, you the borderline starter, the replacement – Slot cornerback. Yep. And 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 to me, Dallas's strength was they had a tight end or they have a tight end that can play, three, four receivers even, you know, at times that could play. And let's be honest, with Pollard, a good running back, you know, if, if Zeke's your second back, you're fine. Mm-hmm. So you're t- Zeke's another year older, probably another trip to Cancun. Got What we talk about that concept. You're paying him. You got to play him, even if he shouldn't be playing. That's a good point. And then you consider that it feels like it's an acrimony that the the the, the Browns trade. I mean, it's like you got Jerry Jones talking about why he got rid of uh, what's his Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. It's like why are you talking about it? It feels like. And then and then you got Randy Durant. Gregory. Gregory's his name. He's like like. This was them choosing Denver over Dallas. There was no re- it was like for the same money apparently. They lost one of the younger linemen, right? Leo Collins to Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to me, I, I know the NFC's gotten weaker. But this is a first place schedule, right? The division hasn't gotten weaker. No. I mean, Philly got three number 1 picks, right? First round picks. Giants were the worst my worst team in power think- rating in the league at the end of the year. They're they're lined at 7 wins. I agree. I think Daniel, listen, I'm a Daniel Jones, like, he can be like a Jimmy G level guy. We'll see. And maybe not get her as much. We'll see. But in general, Eagles, listen, I don't like Carson Wentz, but it's got to be better than last year at quarterback. I don't know. Oh, was I, I said Washington. I said Eagles instead. I, I can't remember. Washington is who I'm ta- yeah. obviously talking about. Yeah. I mean, it strikes me. That Brady coming back. So they'll have to play Brady, right? One and one. Yep. Wow. That's a big and then you gotta play Green Bay. Mm. And and the Rams. Good luck with that. Wow. But they get nine home games. Well, I mean, that's nice. <laughs> I, I mean, the point I'm making is it feels like the better team, it's like the richer getting richer. AFC especially, but okay. And and what's the cross? What's going to be the cross? A- AFC South. Oh, that so that's was a break. Lo- yeah, it's a break. But still, Tennessee's not. I mean, you know, it's still. A- two, it's about a split. Two decent, two good teams, two really bad teams. No, no, no. I'm talking about who is the extra game they have to play. That I don't know. Well, if it's if it's not the South. Oh, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I, that's better than if it was the Bills or Kansas City. But still, to me, this feels like the people just aren't the, – the, the market here isn't watching what happened in the offseason is all. Because if they had lost nobody – Then it makes sense. It would make – I mean, to me, the, the edge here is, is everyone they lost. 
I think it's strong. I endorse it. I mean, how could you go otherwise? I mean, like— I, You know, I got to be honest because I didn't have time to do all my teams. So I went through the AFC teams mm-hmm. looking for unders. Yeah. Was, that, 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 just pulling back the curtain. But of all the you, NFC teams, it, hasn't it been most clear that Dallas is, is, is lost the most? I mean, the biggest downgrade of any team you boy, have to say. Maybe, maybe Chicago and Atlanta also. Well, Atlanta for sure. Let's say amongst competitive teams. Yes, Right? I mean, Green Bay has, I know Green Bay lost the receiver, Adams, but it's like, net, net, I don't think they've lost yeah. as much. Bucks? No. I mean, you got to get, listen, they, who have they lost? Antonio Brown. Yeah, but he was lost before the season yeah. was over. Yeah. And and they lost what, Marpet or whatever his name is, the the guard? Yeah. Lost their center. No, he, he no, no, you're, yeah, the guard. You get to, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, you know, one lineman, and apparently that's who they're going. You're going to draft a guard mm-hmm. in the draft. So, yeah, I mean, Jimmy G still on San Fran. I mean, to me, this just feels like the classic Cowboys are overrated. Public's not really looking at you know Mari Cooper. Who cares? They got enough good guys. What do you think? I was, was going to say the Seahawks, the other team that lost yeah. a lot. But again, not a competitive team. Not anymore. <laughs> or they weren't last year either. That's fair. He was only remember Russ was out three games. Yeah, let's not go overboard here. Well, now they they said after you know one of the greatest healers in history. But <laughs> all right, anything else on the NFL? All right, last four minutes of the pod, Fez, you came up with I think a brilliant. In fact, I'm I'm uh, piggybacking this. All right, Nova Kansas first half under sixty one and a half. Hold on a second, I misunderstood. I thought you were going team total under. No, I want no. I want team total. Why not team total under? You want the Nova first half team total under? Why not? Well, it's, it's same handicap. So is it the same? Do we know how good the defense is? No, we don't. You know, Mackenzie, pull up those numbers. You got them in the Excel, right? Yep. Let's see what was the. Where's the draw? Let's see the marginal difference. On the average of the offense and the defense, let's see what because if the if the D, if I'll go with you, Fez. Let's let the numbers dictate, though. Get the general handicap. Okay, the general, and I think I'm going to wind up agreeing with you. I think I like your Villanova under 29 and a half first half because I know that this guy is a good defender. Also, that is out. Well, but we'll let the numbers say. Very good. So Villanova, without Justin Moore and with Gillespie, not 100 percent. That both guards, they are not deep at all. They know they need to slow this down. In fact, Jay and they're Wright, slow to start with. They're slow to start with. In fact, the last three games, they won them all. Those games have averaged 110 points only. Super, super slow. So here's a team having great success playing slow and showing you how the torn how they want to attack the tournament. Exactly, and they've been successful doing it. Why would they change now with one of their key players out? Injured, you'd expect they'd have to double down on that strategy. But wouldn't you agree this line of 132.5 assumes the pace they've had so far? I think the theory is without one of their main scores, they are going to slow down even more. It's been greatly adjusted. Ken Palm had this 141. So there's been a huge adjustment in terms of the number. But you know what? There's other reasons to like the under, you know, the pressure of the Final Four. They're playing in a football stadium. So there's a lot of other reasons I'm not even going to get into to like the under. But I really would be shocked if Villanova didn't go out and absolutely slow this down. In fact, Jay Wright was asked this specific question, post-game interview. Hey, when you play Kansas, are you going to look to slow it down? And he said, and I quote, I'm not going to give away my game plan, but I'd be a fool to try to run with those gazelles. Okay, 
So this is great work, McKenzie. The offense with more was 22% better than without. The defense with more, 9% better. So effectively, mm. the drop-off is more than double on offense. Okay, so let's think about that. If the drop-off is more than double on offense, I think I want to stick to just their team total. I agree with you. I like. Let's be honest. There's a chance Kansas just Kansas is going to be comfortable here because I mean they play big games a lot. They could they could be up 15, 20. They could be running out of the gym in the first half. It's certainly possible. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I like this. I don't know if we're going to get 29 or 29 and a half. I don't know if this is up yet, Mackenzie. Maybe you can look for team total. Well, you you're going to look at your 20. I mean, we know generally what it's going to be. Let's we'll take the lesser number here for the bet. Sure. Um. But yeah, let's, I, I like this better. I personally have already played under sixty-two, but the but I'm not sure Kansas isn't going to do well offensively. Mm-hmm. I know Villanova is not going to do well offensively. And I think we get more, twenty-nine and a half on Villanova. Oh, under. lock it in. G- great job. Now, here's what I would say. Something I didn't hear you say was playing with. Remember, the first four lineups had two thousand plus possessions. This had less than 200, the next two without more. This is strong. I think the beginning of this game, they're going to be feeling each other out to some degree. It's the going to be like, oh, my fault, my be- fault, you know, mm-hmm. on when they get trapped or something. I, I think they're better in the second half. Now, you're making a good point. Hey, they might be fatigued in the second half. Well, I don't care about the second half right now, but I think in general they're motivated to slow the game down, lower the variant. I mean, in a way, they want this to be a Villanova-Georgetown type game. That's a, you know, that's a great analogy, and, we, and we, we oftentimes forget about those upsets. Isn't it amazing, like, when Princeton almost beat Georgetown, it's, it, those are all, like, 50-48 to 48 type games. You know, they're never – High scoring games. They didn't beat Georgetown. They almost did. Yes. Right? That's right. Princeton. Yes. The, um, you just said something, though. I do think this team, if they are coming together like we thought they would, I think that's going to show on defense. So I would say split the bet half and half, right? I like that. Between first half under and first half Villanova team total under? Yes. Yeah. So I that's not right that. to you? Yes. So we're going to play half of it under 61 half. I just got a 62 on this. So yeah. I played 62, but we'll, we'll grade at the market mm-hmm. number 61 half and team total Villanova first half under 29 half. This is a pod, not a national radio show. So we can talk about first half team totals. Yes. But I, I tell yeah, you yeah. this. Thanks, Fez. Next week, <laughs> don't bring up some first race to 15 or something that would have oh won. Can this pod be over, please? <laughs> well, listen, I caught the, thanks for covering last week. I caught the very end of it. I think we want to tweak this just a little bit. Be careful out there. I think it should be the following. You aren't, remember, there's a famous, this would be 40 seconds. In Raging Bull, um, uh, Ebert, Siskin Ebert, said something that was brilliant. He said, that De Niro at the end of Raging Bull, when he's in going, I could have been a contender. He was saying he wasn't playing, he wasn't Jake LaMotta playing um, that, that character. He was Jake LaMotta playing Marlon Brando, playing the character that Brando was in On the Waterfront. I can't, uh, what was yep. it, Terry Malloy or whatever. Mm, on the Waterfront. Yeah. So to me, what's interesting here is you're not Fezzik trying to be the character who was on Hill Street Blues. You're Fezzik playing the actor 
who was that character. But now that actor isn't telling the boys in blue to be careful. He's telling the batters to be careful. So you're not, you're doing, you're channeling this dude, but you're not trying to be a cop. You're a, one of the most storied and respected professional gamblers saying at the end of all this, we try to give you all the info we could, but you still got to be careful out there. You, you following that? You, you see the difference? I got it, boss. Let's do it. Hey, hey, let's be careful out there. Talk to you next week.